We thank you. Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in because the show is about to begin. From the front lines of America, Babylon, and transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite, you are listening to Omega Man Radio Network with Shannon Davis. started tonight. Praise God. I'm your host, Shannon Davis. You're listening to Omega Man Radio Live. This is a live nightly broadcast. We air each night, Monday through Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern to 11 p.m. Eastern. And then Saturday nights, uh, we've launched a new time, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern time. I want to welcome you to the show if you're here for the first time. We've been doing this program now going on about a year. I think we're up to, uh, let me look, episode 287 today. Praise God, we're doubling our efforts. Time is short. We've got to work while it is still day and we can still work, folks. And so we praise God for what he's doing and new doors are opening. In fact, I talked with um, my brother Damon, who's in the uh, media business, and what we're going to do is uh, have them start looking for a time period on some AM-FM high-power broadcast stations to take the program um, and expand Keep Blog Talk Radio as our base and then go into uh, different markets, different regions as God opens the door. Praise the Lord. Well, tonight we've got a special program for you. It's my honor and pleasure to welcome back Pastor Carl Henderson. Now, many of you uh, know Pastor Carl Henderson. He's a international missionary. He's been in the Philippines the last four years. They're going back uh, for the last leg of the tour before the Lord uh, opens up a new post for them. His ministry is the mission of reconciliation, reconciling man to God. Uh, their website is www.c10, that's charlietangoechonovember.org. You can also reach Pastor Carl up on Facebook, Carl Henderson, and uh, email C Henderson H-E-N-D-E-R-S-O-N, the number five, at yahoo.com. He's going to be doing a special training tonight. I know many of you have uh, expressed interest in learning how to do healing the way Jesus Christ did it. 
way he's called us all to do it. We're going to learn how to do that tonight. Then you're going to be able to go out and um, have some training under your belt to get out there and do what the Great Commission's called us to do. Preach the gospel, cast out demons, lay hands on the sick that they will be healed, and move in the gifts of the Spirit. It's going to be an exciting program tonight. I hope that you've called your friends. If not, pick up the phone, call right now, and get them to tune in tonight. It's going to be a powerful program. And if time permits, we'll open up the airwaves after the teaching and uh, allow you to call in to ask some questions um, about tonight's training. Well, praise the Lord. I want to welcome everybody that's in the chat room. I see people uh, gathering in from around the world. Again, uh, thank you for tuning in, making this program one that uh, you tell your friends about. And people are being touched. Uh, we're, we're getting a lot of fruit from the program. People are accepting Jesus Christ, getting set free, healing. We praise the Lord for what he's doing. Well, without further ado, let me get uh, Pastor Carl Henderson on the line. Stand by. Pastor Carl, how are you tonight, brother? I'm fine. I'm blessed to be here. Brother, it's a it's an honor and pleasure to be with you. Um, I'm going to give the microphone to you at this time. Would you like to open up tonight in prayer? Yes, I would. That's thank great. You. Father God, I thank you for this time. And Lord, I pray that this will not be a uh, a time merely of interesting facts being related. It will not be just a time where our curiosity is uh, is satisfied. It will not be just a time where we give mental assent. But Lord, I pray that the things that are discussed here today will be life-changing. I pray that the things that we talk about today, Lord, will sink deep down into people's ears, into their hearts, into their lives, Lord. I pray that the things that... Uh, that we discuss here today will will create a boldness, a new power to serve you and to obey you, Lord, and to obey your command to heal the sick. And Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word does not come back void. I thank you that there is power in the name of Jesus. We know that there is power in the blood and there is power in the name. And Lord God, I pray that uh, during this time, we will equip those who are listening so that they too can heal the sick and give glory to God and see the power of God flowing and working in and through them in the kingdom of God. This is our prayer that this night life will be changed, and that uh, boldness, the spirit of power, the spirit of El and the boldness of Elijah will come upon the people who are listening, and that they will go forth and obey the gospel and heal the sick as they preach the gospel in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, brother. The microphone is yours. God bless you. Praise God. Shannon, I really like that opening, Shannon, on your program with the sirens and everything. It reminds me, it just reminded me, although yours is much more impressive, reminds me of where, uh, near where I live in the Philippines at Lawakan Airport. It's probably one of the only airports in the world that has a road that goes across the runway. Wow. And so when, uh, <laughs> when a plane is coming in to land, they actually blow a siren somewhat like yours. It sounds like a World War II siren uh, warning you the Japanese are about to bomb or coming in. And when they do that, everyone's supposed to run off of the runway. They block the roads. They stop the cars. And once the runway is clear, the plane lands. Once the plane taxis into its position, then they open the runway again, and everybody starts going back and forth across the one runway again. Oh, my goodness. One of, the unique, <laughs> one of those unique things that happens only in the Philippines. But uh, your siren, they remind me of the Loakan Airport <laughs> and, and the siren they have there also. Uh, Pastor Carl, for those um, who have not heard you speak before, would you, uh, before you start tonight training, would you give a little bit of information and updates on your ministry you'd like to share? Well, yes, we're um, we um, we've been in the Philippines for uh, over four years now. We uh, 
God has been changing our ministry everywhere we go. Uh, it, it, it keeps morphing. We thought it was all about crusades, and God has changed it in different ways. But uh, we, we, uh, we re- I received this training in the States, and I only used it a couple of times in the States, one to heal my mother, and that, that testimony is on the ElijahChallenge.org website, the ElijahChallenge.org, the testimony about my mother being healed at uh, 83 years of age when she was on hospice, and they they told us to come see her before she died because she wasn't going to hold on for long. And before the day was over, she was up and walking and demanding real food. She hadn't eaten anything but liquid food for uh, a couple of months straight, unable to chew, not able to walk or get out of bed. And, and by the an hour after I got there, uh, she was up and demanding real food. And, uh, and by the grace of God, she lived about uh, five years longer. Uh, before she finally went to be with the Lord. And last time I saw her, she told me she was tired. She was ready to go home. So, wow. Uh, Praise that, God. That, that was our only, uh, it, that, that and my mother-in-law, just a few experiences here in the States, uh, using the, the power of God uh, was all we had. Uh, but when we got to Asia, the very first time that we had a crusade, um, 14 people were healed. It's pretty interesting. At this crusade, the director um, uh, they were going to have me do the speaker, but the director of the mission board, it was kind of a joint thing put together from several different mission agencies, they, um, they, I was going to be the speaker. And the people went and put on the big tarpaulin that goes up behind you on the big sign, they put healing and deliverance. And so the, the, the director came to me in a panic and he, says, and he told me, he says, it says healing and deliverance. Can you do that? And I said, oh, yeah, I can do that. He said, you can? <laughs> I said, yeah. I can do that. He goes, you can? I said, yeah, yeah, we can do that. And so to their surprise, that night, 14 people were healed. Um, uh, one of them was a man who was crippled on one whole side of his body from a stroke. Another was a, a deaf boy who could not hear at all before that. And in fact, uh, in fact, we after he was healed, we asked him what his name was. He told us he didn't know. He'd never heard his name his whole life. He'd been, he'd been, he'd been born deaf. And that boy, by the way, once wow. his ears were open, was speaking to us both in Tagalog and English before the night was over. It was really one of the more amazing uh, healings of a deaf and dumb person that we've had. By the way, there's been, um, if my correct count is correct, I think we've healed uh, eight deaf and dumb people now in the last four years in the Philippines. Oh, praise and, God. Uh, and that was just the start. From there, we were off, and, uh, of course, we really had to fight this thing of uh, people trying to make me into a superstar Christian. And uh, a lot of people wanted to, uh, you know, claim I had all kinds of gifts of healing and I was the anointed one of God. And, and, and you know, they were trying to throw together a fan club and treat me um, very different than they would a normal evangelist. And I refused that. And, um, and then I, I explained to everyone that I can teach them how to heal also. This is not just... Uh, this is not a gift of God that I have. It's not a special anointing that I have, uh, but it's, the, it's the, the, the power and the authority that every believer has. And as we began doing that all across the nation, we've seen many, many people healed. Uh, we train people for a few hours in some cases, in other cases uh, a few days. If we have um, Bible students and a lot of pastors there, we, it takes a little longer to train them because they're um, not as teachable. <laughs> I'll be kind. Uh, but uh, it takes a little longer to persuade them uh, if their theological position doesn't uh, doesn't allow this. Once we've shown it to them from the scriptures, then we can teach them very quickly too. 
And at the end of these things, the people that we've trained will normally heal many, many people. We've seen as many as 34 people healed in a single night. Another another case when a, when a healing that was um, really sponsored, uh, a crusade that was sponsored by Watchman Radio, we had 63 people healed in one night. Praise God. Uh, uh, and uh, from there, we... Uh, we never set out to do deliverance. I've, I know about deliverance because I myself was delivered a short time after I became a believer back in the early 80s. But um, it, it was never really our emphasis, and we've done a little bit of it off and on through the years. It has never been a thing of interest. Uh, I shouldn't say of interest, but it was never been a thing of emphasis for us. But then we, while we're healing, and we'll, you'll learn about this tonight as I go through this, or, the, or your hearers will, I know you are already uh, very knowledgeable in this area, but um, demons would manifest. And so we would deal with the demons in pretty much the same approach that we that we dealt with healing because it's almost the identical commands that, that drives out demons and that heals the sick. So we started using um, using that, and we gained a little more knowledge, and, uh, and uh, Richard Keltner at Watchman Radio, of course, gave us more information, connected us with more people, and Joseph Jasinski and a few other people, and so that that really um, that took our um, our knowledge of deliverance uh, to a whole new level. So now our ministry really consists of teaching, uh, preaching the gospel, and teaching other people how to do evangelism, teaching people how to heal and healing the sick, teaching people how to do deliverance and delivering people, and uh, and in addition to that, we're involved in church planting. We um, we we most we plant house churches. We have uh, 14 uh, Filipino missionaries that we've trained and sent out who are now working as full or part-time missionaries. A few of them are tent makers. They're school teachers, or they have some income on their own. And then the bulk of them uh, we support. Once we've trained them, we send them out. And uh, we've seen such amazing things with this knowledge. I Frankly, what I'm going to tell everybody tonight, I sat down one time with a group of seven of our missionaries when we were planting churches in an area called McGillian. I sat down and explained this to them in one hour and then sent them out to go heal the sick. And the next, day, the, the next day, the reports we got were amazing. Uh, you know, We had people who were crippled and hadn't been out of their bed in four years. We had people with dengue fever who couldn't even lift their head. And uh, by the way, it seems like dengue fever for us heals very easily, very quickly, but it's deadly in the Philippines, especially children get dengue fever and most of the time do not survive. Um, so it's um, it's really just an amazing thing. We've seen so many miracles. And, of course, when you see a miracle, normally the whole household comes to God. And that ends up being a church planted. And uh, so we've um, we sent out, in, the, in one case I can think of, 19-year-old missionaries that went out and healed the, healed the sick and then came back rejoicing at what God had done. At new churches planted in a whole cluster of uh, people from a whole household coming to faith because of it. Brother, I'm excited. So I'm excited about uh, that report you're giving. You know, who out there doesn't know someone that's infirmed? I mean, more and more, you know, people are getting sick with all types of diseases, and uh, it's exciting to know that there is an answer. That um, God can heal today just as he did before, just as Jesus healed 2,000 years ago. He's called us to heal. You know, brother, uh, it's 
A lot of us just don't understand our authority and knowledge as we're going to learn tonight. I'm here as a student tonight, folks. I want to learn because I'll tell you, last year, brother, I was in Costa Rica, and uh, this young um, young kid and his sister came up, and they were talking to my, my wife, and they, my wife introduced me, and this young boy, I think he was 12 years old, he was uh, he was mute. He couldn't speak. He had never uh, spoken his whole life. Now, he could hear, and he would he would try to make some hand gestures, do a little bit of sign language, but, you know, it would make you want to cry. And um, I said, God, have mercy. What, what a miracle would be for this boy to speak. And I prayed for him, and, um, of course, I didn't know what I was doing. And um, we prayed, and nothing happened. But you know what, folks? Um, that's why we're doing this program tonight, because... You know what? God wants us to be able to react in a situation like that. Uh, you've got to study to show yourselves approved. And uh, with, with some training, like you're going to get tonight, you can be equipped to go out there. And, brother, when I go back uh, to Costa Rica again, if I see this boy, I'm going to pray for him. I'm believing for a miracle for him. And I often wondered, Brother Carl, I said, God, I would love to be able to walk through a mall. And you're going to see all kinds of people there, you know, in wheelchairs, people on canes. Wouldn't it be pretty amazing to walk in and just lay hands on people, command the healing, to see them get up? What a what an explosion that would cause. You know, um, and I'll shut up here. I heard that if you want to proselytize the Jewish people, they want to see signs and miracles. And I heard a, a, me- a message by Brother Sid Roth. He's Jewish himself. He went to a congregation where they had 300 people there, and the power of God hit. And uh, there were miraculous healings there. And then people came to Jesus Christ as a result. They saw the power. People have a message out there, but they don't see the power. So I praise God for what you're doing. That's the ministry that Jesus wants us to do, folks. And let me shut up and give the microphone back to you. Well, praise excited, God. Bro. Amen. But this is good. And I, I, that was really interesting, you relating that story, because that will allow me to just jump to something real quickly. You know, normally when we run into somebody that um, – wants to be healed. And by the way, it is important that the person wants to be healed. You need to be aware that even in third world countries, there are some people who make their living off of being crippled or having a ghastly wound or deformity or something. And oftentimes they don't want to be healed because uh, that is their livelihood. They make a living off of that thing. So you need to be aware of that. Uh, Not everyone that you want to heal wants to be healed. And it's very important to find that out and to talk to them, and then we'll talk about what is the motivation behind healing for God and why he chooses to heal. But what you uh, what you described there is what I did most of my life. I pastored a, a couple of churches, and uh, most of the time when somebody brought somebody sick to me, I prayed for them. I laid hands on them, and I prayed for them. And, you know, by the grace of God, about three out of every 25 people really were healed, but not very many. Three out of 25 means there was an awful lot of times when I laid hands on people when I didn't really expect something to happen either. I wanted it, but I didn't really expect it. Um, but I want you to know that God is gracious and merciful. He does answer prayer. My middle son was um, deaf. Both of my boys got pneumonia at the same time, and it spread in the younger son to his ears. And the doctor kept telling us when he um, when they when they got well but he couldn't hear it, that it was just a wax buildup and it was nothing to worry about. And finally, after about three weeks of him not hearing, we went to a doctor, and the doctor gave him a good examination. He said, my goodness, this boy's deaf. All the filler in his ear is laid down. He'll never hear again. And we were shocked because the doctor had told us this was just a temporary thing. So we went to another doctor, and, and that doctor told us, 
you know, maybe with hearing aids he can hear some sounds in the future. We went to another doctor who was an expert. That doctor said he's he's just trying to make you feel good. This boy will never hear anything again. So we started prayer chains, and we started praying and calling out to God, and we had the elders of the church anoint him, and we did everything we could think of. And one uh, one evening, I was actually at work, and my wife and my older son were sitting on the end of the bed, and they were praying, and he was playing at the other side of the bed, and all of a sudden, he interrupted them in the prayer, and he goes, hey, I can hear you guys. I know you're praying for me. Wow. And God has healed him. So God does heal when we pray. But I just want to tell you about this. That there's only one place in the Bible where it says, pray for those who are sick, and that's in James chapter 5. And it says, uh, call for the elders of the church to pray over them, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. And then it goes on and says, confess your sins to one another, pray for each other. It's the only place where it says to pray for people who are sick. Um, and every other case that we have in the Bible, the apostles and Jesus never pray for the sick. In fact, they do the opposite of praying. They command healing in Jesus' name. And this is an important uh, difference for us to look at, and I, and, I, and I want to park here for just a minute. When Jesus came, he came to us as a prophet, a priest, and a king. Now, he was a prophet in the sense that he uh, prophesied the destruction of Jerusalem. He said, this, 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 there wouldn't be one stone left upon another from this temple, that all would be thrown down. He fulfilled the job as a prophet um, when he made those statements, and then they were fulfilled. And, of course, he, he also prophesied many times that he was going to the cross. His, his own disciples couldn't believe him. and In fact, Peter tried to rebuke him when he was prophesying that he was going to the cross to suffer. Um, but uh, the prophecy was fulfilled. So Jesus, as a prophet, he also came as a priest. In fact, that's how we mostly recognize Jesus' ministry today in modern uh, America. We tend to think of him in the priestly role, dying on the cross. We just celebrated his death burial, and resurrection uh, just this last weekend. Um, so most of the time, we, we think about Jesus as the priest. A priest is someone who intercedes with God on behalf of somebody else. That's why the priest of the Old Testament sacrificed the animals for the sins of the nation. And that's what Christ did. He gave himself, he sacrificed himself, shed his blood for the sins of his people, for all those who call upon his name. And then... Uh, and we're going backwards just a little bit to the prophetic role, a prophet also has another important job, not just predicting, but a prophet calls God's people to repentance. And that's what Jesus did throughout his ministry over and over again. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's how his ministry starts in, in Matthew chapter 4. It says, from this time on, Jesus began to teach, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so a prophet's main job, all through the Old Testament, why they're not very popular, and in the New Testament, is because they, they keep saying the same thing. They keep pointing that finger and saying, repent, turn from your sins. Or as it says in Ezekiel over and over, turn, turn, turn from your wicked ways. That's repentance in the New Testament. So a prophet calls people to repentance. A priest intervenes with God. And then a, the kingly role is when Jesus took his authority and he smashed Satan's head at the place of the skull, Golgotha, at the cross, when he defeated Satan. And the, and the Bible tells us that, Satan, that Jesus came, 
and his role was to destroy the works of the wicked one. And we know the works of the wicked one are diseases and death and demons. And then later, when after the resurrection, and in Revelation it tells us, Christ tells us that he has the keys to death and Hades. He is the one who conquered. He was the one who was, a de- who was dead and yet is alive and is alive forevermore. So he is the one who conquered death. He conquered the works of Satan. He used his kingly authority to do that. And um, this is an important thing because Christ has called us in the church to be prophets, priests, and kings too. And most of the time, the church doesn't recognize this. In fact, he has called, if you're a husband, a father, or a mother, leading in your family, over your children, homeschooling your children, or raising your children, you are the prophet and the priest and the king of that home. How are you the prophet? You're the one who, who enforces God's law in your family and sets and, and, uh, and points your people, your children, towards following God and tells them to turn away from sins and to not waste their youth or their passions on wicked things, calling them to repentance. The prophet is the one who breaks the word of God to them and teaches them from the Bible and shares with them around the supper table and talks to them about what God's plan is. A prophet speaks forth the word of God. That's part of the prophet's job. And so if you're a parent, you're a prophet. But if you're a Christian, you've called to be a prophet, you're called to be a prophet too. You're called to speak forth the word of God. You're called to call other people to repentance and to bring them to repentance. The second thing that we are all called to do is we're to be priests. And if you're a father or a mother, you know about being a priest for your family because you're constantly praying for your children. Every night you're praying for your children's salvation. You're praying for a hedge of protection around them. You're praying for them to be right with God. You're praying for God to to have power to work through their lives and in their lives and to draw them closer to him. That's the priestly function. That's what we do when we pray. And that's what God has called us to be as priests, as Christians. We are priests of God. We are in a kingdom of priests, it tells us in Revelations. And so so we are supposed to be priestly in the sense that we pray, we intervene, we pray for these uh, wicked government officials that we have over us in this nation and elsewhere in the world. We pray about situations in the news. This is part of our calling. Unfortunately, I believe that 95% of the church stops there. In fact, many of them don't even do these things. They don't even prophesy to the lost or to their own children. They don't even sometimes intervene in prayer for them. But most of the church stops right there, and they never explore or understand the kingly anointing. In fact, if I look back at church history, we could say that um, the church always had the priestly anointing. Um, um, and then and then they kind of got lost uh, when, the, when our Bibles were taken away from us. But during the Reformation, what happened was the church became very prophetic again. We got the Word of God back in our hands, and we began to preach it like the prophets of old. That's where you have Zwingli and Calvin and Luther and all these great people preaching, preaching this powerful Word of God. That was the prophetic role. And the church continued on pretty well in the prophetic role up until... About the um, uh, about the time of the of uh, the Azusa Street revival, and then we discovered our priestly role again. Suddenly, one of the jobs of a priest is also to lead in worship. We discovered worship, and we took it to a level that probably the church has never experienced before in its history, with the, with the with the this new um, 
following and presence of the Holy Spirit, worship and prayer and intercessory prayer went to a level that probably the church hasn't seen since the first couple of couple of centuries of Christianity. But again, we remain uh, in this zone where we're very strong prophetically, we're very strong in the priestly role. In fact, you know, this is one of my complaints about most of the missionaries I know. They're very good at praying about things, but they're not very good at getting out and doing things. And I can say that about most Christians, most missionaries, most pastors, most everyone I know. They're all good about praying about it, but nobody's good about getting out and doing it. But the last thing that we haven't really learned to use in the church today is our kingly anointing. As Christ came with the power to trample on and destroy the works of the wicked one, which is demons, diseases, and death, so he empowers us to also trample on those things. We have authority over those things. And that's important to understand that the apostles understood this, uh, and uh, and they they based everything they did on this premise. The apostle Paul talks in in First Corinthians chapter two, when he says, uh, talking to the church at Corinth, he says in verse First uh, Corinthians two verse four, he says, "My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power." This is important. If we come with the kingly anointing, we come with the authority of King Jesus Christ, we come with his name, then we have power. And But if we don't come, it's according to your faith, be it unto you. If you don't know you have it, it's almost impossible for you to access it. Now, I've seen the old movies in America when the British troops were occupying the, the, uh, and the, uh, the colonies, and the, the, the colonists would, of course, have their doors bolted, and the, and the British soldiers would come up, and they would knock on the door, open up in the name of the king. And you had to open, because they came with the authority of the king of England. Well, the same is true of us Christians. We come with the authority of the king of the universe, Jesus Christ. We come with his authority, and we come with his power, if we use his name. And uh, I know all of your listeners are aware of using his name over demons, but the same thing is done to use the name of Jesus over sickness and death. And so we have to understand that uh, we as a church at large, and there's some exceptions obviously, have not understood the kingly anointing. We come as prophets, we preach the gospel. We come as priests, we pray, we intervene, we worship, probably on a level that's greater than the church has known in a long time. But we do not understand our kingly authority. We do not come after diseases and and uh, demons and, and death the way that Christ would have us to go. So, although God answers our prayers, you know, he was merciful and gracious to us in our ignorance, and my son was healed when we, when we prayed for him. We had a barrage and a chain of people praying for him, and God answered that prayer, and my my, my son's vision, uh, hearing, has been restored. But that is not the normal way. I believe God is oftentimes angry at us, sort of like maybe he was with Peter when he was walking on the water, because we're not doing what he's told us to do. You know, we say, Lord, heal them. And I believe the Lord is saying, I told you to heal them, you heal them. And we say, Lord, heal them. And then, I, and I believe the Lord is saying, no, you heal them. I give you my name, I give you my authority, I gave you my power. 
you heal them. And because of that, I believe God is also presupposed to heal. So the kind of um, the what we call this the Elijah challenge is the, is the methodology that we use, and it comes from the story about Elijah with the prophets of of Baal or Baal. And uh, we, we everyone knows the story that he uh, he said let's he asked the children of Israel the nation of Israel, will you stand with God, or with you or will you stand with Baal? And it says that they spoke not a word. They said nothing. And then he said, okay. He says, here's what we'll do. We'll have a contest. They'll call out to Baal, and we'll call out to God. And we'll see the God who answers by fire is the real God. And, of course, you know the story. Elijah mocked them, and he belittled them, and he humiliated them, and they were cutting themselves, and they were crying out to God, and he even said, well, maybe your God's on a trip. Keep yelling louder so he can come back and hear you. And, and then finally, when they, when they gave up, when it came to time of prayer, he had water poured over, all over everything, and then Elijah called out to the true God, our Father in heaven, to Yahweh, and he called out to him, and God answered with fire. Now, it's interesting that when Elijah asked the nation of Israel, will you stand with the true God or with the other God, they spoke not a word. But when Elijah said, then we'll have a contest, and the God who answers by fire is the real God. And and it says in the scriptures that all the people said, this is good. I believe God still says this is good. He wants to show his power and his authority to sinners. Now, this is important because... Sometimes we, we, we mix up the gift of healing, which is a supernatural ability or presence that comes by the Holy Spirit, versus the power and the authority to heal, which is also the healing occurs by the Holy Spirit, but it, comes, it, it occurs in the name of King Jesus. And when we use his authority and his power, that we see the healing occurs. So um, if... We are healing with spiritual gifts. First of all, let me just explain that there is no Holy Spirit falling, no spiritual gifts in any of the Gospels. Because we know that after, uh, in, in the book of Acts, or the latter part of Luke, it tells us that after the resurrection, after Christ had been with his believers, that uh, he tells them to tarry in Jerusalem, and you will be endowed with power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so they select an apostle to replace Judas, and they spend the next ten days of one mind, one accord, calling out to God, and the Holy Spirit falls. And when the Holy Spirit falls, they speak in tongues, and the church is gifted with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, before that, we have three and a half years of healing going on by the apostles. They're healing people all over the place, but it's not a gift of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit has not fallen yet. So how did they heal, and why did God have them heal during that time? And here's what I want to propose to you, that the gift of healing is for the church. It's for believers in the church. And some men of God have that gift of healing. I don't believe I do, um, but there are, there are some who seem to have a gift of healing. And then sometimes the Spirit of God will just be present, 
It'll just move through the crowd and healings occur. That is a gift of healing. And I cannot teach you or give you that. Only God gives gifts according to how he desires to give them. But what I can teach you to do is how to heal the sick in the name and by the authority of Jesus Christ as the apostles did. And by the way, you'll see, if you read through the book of Acts again, after you've listened to my teaching tonight, you will see when you go through there that the apostles still heal the majority of the time. In fact, I, I don't know of an exception in the in the authority and the power of Jesus' name, not relying upon a gift of healing. But we do know there is a gift of healing given to people in the church because the scripture clearly names that one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But you don't see the apostles doing that. Now, perhaps you see that when Peter's shadow is falling on people and they're being healed, and perhaps when the aprons or the uh, or towels are being carried from uh, Paul to other people and they're being healed, perhaps that is a gift of healing from the Holy Spirit. But in every other case, you'll see the apostles command healing in Jesus' name, and they use the authority that comes from Jesus' name. Like those British soldiers beaten on those colonial, colonial doors, they say, open up in the name of the king, and it's King Jesus who heals. So this is the, the important thing for us to understand. Nobody can be imparted by me, and I don't believe it can be passed between people, but I, don't, I, I can't speak for God on this, uh, a gift of healing. But what I can show you, tell you, teach you to do is to heal the sick in the name and by the authority of Jesus Christ. And there's a big difference in results. I said earlier that when I used to pray for the sick, I used to see about three out of every 25 actually get healed. But now when I speak with authority and I command in Jesus' name, I see eight or nine out of ten healed. And that's a big difference. Uh, and sometimes we go for weeks with everyone being healed. In fact, um, uh, just um, just about six weeks before I came here, we had a deaf and dumb girl who was brought to our church to be healed. One of the more unusual healings we've had because one ear got healed first, and then the other ear got healed. And then finally her tongue was loosed, and then she was able to speak. Now she's um, learning learning to speak for the first time. She knew sign language, uh, but she had never spoke before. It was really quite an amazing thing to see a young girl, uh, I think her, her phobia dream, I think she was 19 then, probably, I don't think she's had a birthday, uh, uh, come to church and sitting there with big eyes, watching everything going on. When I say come to church, we're mo most, mostly meeting in homes. We don't have money for church buildings and I think if I did have the money, I wouldn't waste it on a building when I can I can send more missionaries, train and send more Filipino missionaries instead. But she's sitting there watching what's going on, and then after she's healed, and we have lots of pictures on my Facebook and elsewhere of her with joy and smiling and and happy and uh, exciting. The amazing thing was, you know, we're singing some songs afterwards, and there she is tapping her foot, a deaf and dumb girl tapping her foot. To listening to the beat of the music. I asked her, I said, um, how do you like our singing? And she told us in sign language, she still couldn't speak words yet. She could just make sounds. Uh, she could talk to us, but she couldn't, uh, she couldn't form words that we understood. She told us, it's beautiful. And I told her, I said, 
perhaps you need to have your ears open again. I said, because we don't sing very well. And then she was very insistent. She says, it's beautiful to me. So it's a beautiful thing when the power of God comes into somebody's life. Now, I want you to understand the reason why God heals. God heals to show his power, as he did with Elijah and, the, and on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal. He, sh- he shows his power to prove that he's real, that he's God, the God who heals is the God who's real. And this is important. We have the Apostle Paul saying, I came in power. And so that's how we need to come. Unfortunately, most of the time we come with worldly wisdom. We try to persuade them, and, and we use this method and that method to try to, to uh, outmaneuver them. And we study apologetics so we can, so we can uh, psychologically and mentally um, get them to understand Christianity. But what we don't understand is coming to faith is always requires a miraculous manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Even for someone to be an awakened sinner or to be coming under conviction or becoming conscious of their sin uh, or and especially to go all the way through to conversion, it requires the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit won't work if we won't share. But God loves to show his power so that sinners will believe. You talked about earlier, uh, Shannon, you talked about different uh, places where miracles have occurred. We see the greatest miracles where the greatest darkness is. If there's Muslims present, we're going to see very exciting miracles and very quick healing. If there's animus or witches present, we're going to see uh, witchcraft, people involved in witchcraft, we're going to see amazing miracles very quickly. The greater the darkness, the more God wants to intervene. Healing is intended to demonstrate God's power so that sinners can repent and follow Jesus. That's the whole purpose. And so sometimes uh, I tell people this, if you're the one that's healed, that's just a side benefit of God glorifying himself for in the presence of sinners so that they can repent. You get the benefit, but it was never about the person being healed anyway. It was about God showing his power and his authority over diseases and death. And uh, <clears throat> not all who see miracles repent and come to faith and follow Jesus, but many do when they see miracles. And one thing, I always say this when I used to do it, we used to do a lot more crusades than we do now, but I used to always say, you can leave here not having putting, put your faith and your trust in Jesus and turn from your sins and repentance, but you cannot leave here and say Jesus is not real because his name has just healed all these people. It's his power and his authority. But having said that, you need to be aware that just because there are miracles doesn't mean the people will repent. Um, We know the story of Pharaoh. He saw ten big-time miracles, and it just hardened his heart. But you know what? God received glory even from his hardened heart. So that's the part that we need to remember is we need to be faithful. And uh, not all who see miracles will repent and follow Jesus, but a deep an important seed goes into their heart. And Jesus preached, um, when he came, he preached more about the kingdom of God than any other topic. And uh, and I believe this was part of his uh, first commands that just became more and more manifest. We know the story that Adam and, then Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and later Adam and Eve, after they sinned, were told that they were to be fruitful and multiply and take dominion in the earth. 
And then we see the story later that Abraham is called, that his descendants are going to take dominion in the land of Canaan. And then Christ comes and he tells us the greater meaning of all this. And he tells us we are to take dominion in the entire world, go into all the world and preach the gospel and, uh, and, and teach them, disciple them, teach them to obey everything that I taught you. And then, as you quoted earlier, Shannon, Mark 16 says, These signs shall follow those who believe, and uh, they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover, and they will cast out demons. So these are what we should be doing. These are normal things. This is part of the process of God, uh, God's church taking dominion, taking authority in the world today. And uh, it's what we're called to do. John 14:12 tells us that the, the works that Jesus did as I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing, and he will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. <clears throat> How many of us really believe that? I don't, I don't believe many people do. Uh, I believe that most people think God can do that, but they don't believe that they can do that. And uh, there's two reasons why normally we can't do it. It's one, we don't believe it. Two, we don't know how to access it. So tonight I'm going to briefly... Um, help you to understand how we can, um, the authority you have to do this, and then secondly, how we can access this. Now, we have seen so many miracles that, um, you know, I'm going to, uh, when, I, when I come out of the mission field finally, the last time, I'm, I'm going to start writing up all these notes and stuff I have, but we're going to have a huge book full of miracles. And, and even still, even, we've seen so many miracles, it's hard to keep them straight and remember who's what what's happened. But sometimes people like to throw this one up to me. Well, what works have you done that are greater than Christ? That's a hard question because uh, uh, I don't know. But I can think of a couple of things that I think may be greater. Okay? I'm not saying I'm greater than Christ. I'm saying a couple of works that we have done that may be greater than what we have reports of Jesus doing. Uh, one is we've healed people from as far as 500 miles away with a text message where we've all spoke the words, text the words to the person, and then uh, and then ask them, what are your results? What do you feel? Test it and see how it is. And we've had them healed from 500 miles away. So I would say that was farther because the whole land of Israel isn't 500 miles uh, long, and Jesus uh, sometimes healed people from a distance also. The um, the um, the servant of the temple, uh, his name escaped me at the moment, well, he was healed at a distance. And the Roman centurion servant were healed at a distance. So we have we have a couple of examples uh, of I'm sorry, just the Roman centurion servant was healed. Of. Another thing we've had is we've seen mass healings where ever for many people are all healed at once. Uh, that might be a greater work. Although we do have a couple of accounts where it says everyone uh, was healed that came to Jesus. Um, but in general, what I would say to you is you can heal. If you believe you can heal, and if you know how to heal, and I'm going to teach you that. I want to share one more thing with you. Every one of your listeners believes God can heal. Uh, even the, the most staunch person who doesn't believe in spiritual gifts still believes God can do, can heal if he chooses to. I want to use a brief illustration to show you um, a different way of looking at this. You know the story of Jesus walking on the water. The the apostles are in the boat. They see him. They're afraid. They think it's a ghost or a spirit moving on the water. And then Jesus says, calm down, it's me. No big deal. 
Peter says, if it is you, command me to come out on the water. And Jesus says, come. So Peter gets out of the boat, and he starts walking on the water. He's walking towards Jesus, making progress. He's doing what no one besides Jesus has ever done, walking on the water. But then he begins to look at the wind and the waves. It tells us in elsewhere that he begins to fear. He takes his eyes off Jesus, and he begins to sink. Now, while he's sinking, Peter says the shortest prayer in the Bible. Lord, save me. And I want to ask an important question here. When Jesus, when Peter was sinking, did he believe Jesus could still walk on the water? Well, the answer is obviously yes, he did. That's why he said, Lord, save me, because he knew Jesus could still walk on the water. Now, here's the point. Jesus pulls Peter up, gets him back in the boat, and he says to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Notice that it's not the way we normally say it. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I believe Jesus said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? The same thing he said later when the when his disciples couldn't cast out demons, and he says, how long will I stay with you? I mean, what, he's, he's saying, uh, as we might say, am I just wasting my time here all this time and you still can't cast out these demons? You still can't do what I've commanded you and given you authority to do. Now, here's the point. Did Peter have the authority to walk on the water? Yes, Jesus gave it to him. Did he have a clear command from God to walk on the water? Yes, he did. Jesus said, come. If Jesus says come and tells him to do it, he can do it. But what happened was, there came a point when Peter didn't believe he could do it. Now, he still believed God could do it. That's why he called out for God, for the Lord, to save him. And Jesus saved him and brought him back into the boat. This is where I think most Christians are. Most of us believe God can do it, but we don't believe we can do it. But what I want to show you tonight is God has given you a clear command. He's given you authority, and he expects you to use it. As, as with every command that Jesus has given, if you don't follow his commands, you are in rebellion against your Savior, against Jesus Christ. And so you can't say after tonight, well, I didn't know what to do. From this time forward, you are going to know what to do and how to heal the sick. So let's get started. Let's look at how Jesus trained his people. We'll go together to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9, we have Jesus equipping and putting together his, his, uh, the twelve. Luke chapter 9, verse 1, when Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. Verse 2, then he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And verse 6, he goes on and says, they set out and they went from village to village preaching the gospel, healing people everywhere. So, does Jesus give authority to the twelve? Yes, he clearly gave authority to the twelve. Uh, we can look at, at uh, another verse in Matthew 10, where it records the same event. He called the twelve disciples to him, Matthew 10, verses 1 and 2, and he gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. So, some of you are thinking to yourself, yeah, he gave it to the twelve apostles, but what about me? I'm not an apostle. And... Uh, that might be viable, but let's look at Luke chapter 10, right after chapter 9 where he sends the 12 apostles out. We go to Luke chapter 10. In this case, he sends out 72 others, 72 other disciples, believers, like you and me. 
Luke chapter 10, verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Uh, and, he, and he tells them the harvest is plentiful and go out and do it. And go to verse 9, he says, Heal the sick who are there, tell them the kingdom of God is near you. And then we see the results in verse 17. Now he just sent out 72 plain believers. He told them to heal the sick who are there, tell them the kingdom of God is near. In verse 17, we have the story of their return. The 72 returned with joy, and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And of course, Jesus gives them a mild rebuke and says, don't rejoice because the demons submit to you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now here's the point. The reason why I use this illustration is one, we're told, uh, the twelve are told clearly that they are supposed to go out and to preach the gospel. But then you hear in, cha in Luke chapter 10 that the 72 received a very similar command. In fact, they received the exact same command that, uh, that the apostles received, except for where they were supposed to go. Now, if we go to Matthew chapter 28, Matthew 28, I'm turning with you, so if you're looking, um, you'll, you'll have time to... Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. You guys uh, should be so familiar with this verse that you can quote it almost by heart, 18 and 19 and 20, but I just want to read it to you, and I want to point out something that you've probably skimmed over many times and never noticed. Then Jesus came to them and he said, All of authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. My, the important point here is, is there anything in heaven or on earth that Jesus does not have authority over? No. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. Verse 19, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What were, they, what were those twelve apostles supposed to teach? They were supposed to teach everything that Jesus had commanded them. One of the things that Jesus commanded them to do was to heal the sick and to cast out the demons and to preach the kingdom of God, to preach repentance. In fact, that's what they're their three and a half years was about, was learning how to do just that. It was that discipleship time that they spent with Jesus. So he was teaching them to do what they were supposed to do. <coughs> Turn with me to Mark 16. Mark 16. <coughs> Mark 16, verse 16. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. We're going to jump down to the end of verse 18. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Now, these are what Jesus uh, says ordinary believers will do. These signs will follow you. If you're just a regular, run-of-the-mill believer, you will heal and cast out demons. That's normal Christianity. Excuse me just a second. My uh, phone is trying to die here, so I'm plugging it in. 
Amen. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Omega Man Radio tonight. We've got Pastor Carl Henderson on. Uh, his website is C10. That's Charlie Tango Echo November dot org. C10 dot org. His ministry is called the Mission of Reconciliation, reconciling man to God. And you can reach Pastor Carl Henderson at C Henderson number five at yahoo dot com. Amen. <clears throat> so. What I want you to first realize is not only do you have the authority and the power, according to Jesus, but the apostles were supposed to teach you to do what they were taught, and then you were supposed to do it. In fact, ordinary believers are supposed to do it. Uh, so this, these are the commands from Jesus. And um, so how do we do it? Um, I, I don't have a, a whole lot of time here. How are we going to heal the sick? Well, the way we're going to do it is we're going to do it the way Jesus and the apostles did it, and uh, and as we see other people do it. Um, part of it, if you've been listening to Shannon, you're basically doing already if you're involved in deliverance ministry. Because in deliverance, we come against demons in the name of Jesus, and we take authority over them. Well, when we come against a disease, it's very similar. In fact, that's the reason why when we're healing people, demons manifest. Now, there is a, one other aspect of that, is sometimes illness is demonic. You know, sometimes people have illnesses because of their lifestyle, because of the, the way they've lived, or injuries, or different things that have happened to them. And then sometimes it's demonic in its core. And it's difficult to tell the difference, but we're going to talk about the difference between um, uh, uh, an illness is caused by demons versus uh, illnesses which are caused by um different things that, that occur in, in living on this planet that happened to us. I want to relate a quick story because I want to show you that you don't have to be a great, uh, deep theologian to heal the sick. We had a, uh, an, an older woman, 86 years old, on, uh, one of the, um, on Santiago Island, one of the, the 100 islands areas of the Philippines, and uh, she had a large breast cancer. Now, women that age just have... Uh, who have nurses stuff don't really have much of a chest, but she had a very large chest on one side, a very large uh, breast on one side where the cancer was, otherwise nothing. And so we trained the believers on how to heal. And we had the women uh, uh, lay hands on her breast and take authority over the breast. And the first thing we noticed was, uh, that they noticed was, that it, got, it went from rigid and hard to soft. And then they took authority again. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. The first thing I noticed was the woman said the pain left. The second time that we took authority, it got soft. The third time, all the mass disappeared, and she was healed. Now, that woman, 86 years old, gave her heart to Jesus Christ that night. She believed for the first time after being healed. The next night, this was the training session. The next night, we did the real crusade, and she was laying hands on people, a one-day-old Christian, with great faith because she had just been healed from a cancer that she could not afford to treat. She had enough money to go get it diagnosed, but she had no money for treatment, and she was going to die from it unless God intervened, and he did. So this little old woman with no teeth in front and uh, walked six miles that night, and by the way, she walked back in the middle of a storm because it really rained powerfully that night, um, went to this crusade, and that same night, she I mean, the next night, she was laying hands on people and healing people. 
So I wanted, I'm telling you this story, uh, one, so that you can understand how the power of God works, but two, how God wants to use his people um, and how he wants to, to work in their lives and how he wants you to heal the sick. He wants to manifest his power to bring people to salvation. He wants the sinners to say, what is this? He wants us to go and turn the world upside down, not just with our word, but with the power of God. Some people who are caught up in the cults and and uh, and uh, the Mormons and, and, and Muslims and people of that nature, they are not going to come to faith without a miraculous uh, uh, presence of God in most cases. Um, so, you must be bold enough to do what Jesus says. Now, I want to warn you about another thing. Sometimes we, especially if we understand spiritual gifts and we believe in spiritual gifts, we walk around waiting for a rhema word. We're waiting for God to tell us, you know, like the light bulb turns on, ooh, witness to this person. Now, I will tell you, that does happen to me, but I witness to about three to 500 people for every time that actually happens. And the same goes for uh, for healing people. Um, you do not have to wait from a word from the Lord. But you need to understand, uh, when I first learned how to do this, I had this desire to run down the street just grabbing people and healing everybody. But I realized uh, uh, when I did that, I didn't get the results I expected. I realized over time as I matured a little bit that this healing is about God receiving glory. It's about sinners repenting and, and turning from their sins. It's not just that I have a tender heart and that I'm and that I that I feel for people who are suffering, and I, we all remember the the saying. But for the grace of God, there goes me. And 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 when we have a new heart, we become new creatures in Christ. We want to see those people um, uh, healed. Sometimes, frankly, sometimes more than they want to be healed. I've seen this even more often in deliverance, where we're wanting to see someone delivered and the person themselves does not want to be delivered. So you do need to talk to the person, interview the person, find out what's going on. But you do not have need a rhema word from God to heal the sick. The reason you don't need a rhema word is you have the logos word. You have the written word that tells you to do what the apostles did. Um, now, sometimes God will give you a rhema word. I mean, I've had, uh, uh, I've had a whole crowd of people standing in front of me wanting to be healed, and I really felt... God tell me that one right there, he, that one. And I would bring that one up first, and that's the first person healed, and they're normally healed very quickly. And so when God gives you a rhema word, act on it. But don't sit around day and night waiting for a rhema word to share your faith, waiting for a rhema word to heal the sick, because you already have the authority and the power to do this. Um, the, the, war, the commands that were given to Joshua still apply to the church. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to your forefathers. And then verse 7 of Joshua 1, 6, 1, 7, be strong and very courageous. And have I not commanded you, verse 9, be strong and courageous. I command each of you as believers tonight to be strong and courageous, to trust God. If you do not go out on a limb for God, you're not going to see the power of God work through you. So you need to go out and you need to do what, what uh, the commands are in the scriptures. So how does Jesus and how do the apostles heal the sick? 
We're going to look at a few examples in scriptures. Uh, I want you to understand that normally when people are healed, you have contact with them. In Mark 5, verse 24 um, through about verse 36, we know the story, the story of the woman with the issue of blood. How does she get healed? By making contact with Jesus. She felt, or she had a word from the Lord, that if I just touch his clothes, the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And immediately her bleeding stopped. And Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. Now this is uh, important. Normally when you're going to heal somebody, you need to lay your hands in the area where the affliction is. Okay? So if a person tells you, I have a frozen shoulder that will not move, or they tell you, I can't turn my head this direction or that direction, or in the case of uh, deafness, you're going to put your fingers in the ear, the women with long fingernails without piercing their brains, you're going to put your fingers in their ears, you're going to lay hand on the afflicted area, and that's how you're going to heal. And then the next thing you're going to do is, um, well, let me give you another example of the same thing in Mark 7, verse 32. Some people brought to him a man who was deaf. They brought him to Jesus, and he could hardly talk. They begged him to place his hands on the man. And after he took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and he touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh he said, Epaphasas, which means be opened. At this the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loose, and he began to speak plainly. This is the normal way that we're going to heal people. We're going to lay hands on them on the afflicted area. So if it's a shoulder, you lay the hand, your hands on the shoulder. If it's a hip, you lay your hands on the ship, hip. Now, if um, I don't recommend that uh, males heal, heal females uh, alone, uh, things like that. You need to be careful where you're laying hands. However, if you're in a situation like that, I normally have another female lay their hand there and then I lay my hand over their hand. Or have that woman lay her hand over it and you lay your hand on top of that. But the point is, is this. Normally, there is a point of contact. Not always, but normally there should be a point of contact where you lay hands on the person. Um, <clears throat> so, when we heal, um, we are not going to pray for healing. That's the priestly function. Now, before you begin to heal, I would pray. I would call out to God. But once you have prayed, you put your other hat on and you no longer function as a priest. You now function as a king. Let me explain this kingly authority to you. If the President of the, president of the United States um, uh, decides to use military power to, uh, in, in, to defend Americans. He doesn't call the Marines and say, uh, please, guys, if it's okay, uh, um, um, you know, uh, you, the Joint Chiefs, staffs, and you, you Marines, the Commandant of the Marine Corps, I mean, if it's okay, I would really like for you guys to do me a favor, please, and uh, could you uh, go and fight? No, he doesn't do that because a president is as close as we come to a king today. No, the president gives a command. He tells his troops, I want our people ready. We are launching an attack in one week. Get the people there. Get the equipment there. Be ready to go in one week. I want to see the plan, and we start. That's the way a king deals with things. 
And it's the same way you want to approach a disease or an illness. You don't beg the disease. You don't beg the illness. You don't intervene with the illness with uh, about the illness uh, with God. That's the priestly function. You come as a king, and you take authority, and you command healing in the name and by the authority of Jesus Christ. The same way we deal with demons. We don't beg a demon out because we have authority over them. They must submit to us. Now, we know that demons are like spoiled children. They'll drag it out and they'll try to try to delay things as long as possible, but in the end, they must obey, they must submit. Diseases sometimes are the same way. Um, let me uh, give you an example from Mark chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. Mark chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. They came to Bethesda. And some people brought a blind man, and they begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand, and he led him outside the village. And when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and he said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Now, obviously, this is a man who could once see and had lost his sight, perhaps cataracts or something of that nature. And when he was first, when Jesus first lays hands on him, he can see some now, but he can't see correctly. He sees people walking around like trees. So Jesus lays hands back on him again, and again he speaks healing to him, and he commands him to be healed, and then the guy's vision is clearly rest restored. I tell you this because you sometimes also are going to have to uh, you have patience and you're going to have to be persistent to get a healing. If it took Jesus two tries to heal this man, and he's the Son of God, it's going to take you occasionally more than two tries to heal people. Uh, I normally go about three times with anybody before I, uh, before I quit or give up or... Um, most of the time, I don't really give up. It depends on what's happening. But persistence is important. If Jesus Christ needed persistence to get this man completely healed, then we are going to need uh, persistence. It may take some time. We may have to be patient about the healing. I don't mean a week from now. I mean that you're going to have to work at it to get the healing in some cases. Um, in the same way, Healing sometimes progresses. You get a little bit of healing, but you don't get complete healing. Then you do not quit. You persevere until you get complete healing. Um, so if Jesus had to minister more than once to the same person, you may have to. Uh, and I've seen this happen uh, in, the, in exactly the case I told you about the elderly woman. At first her pain went, then the tumor softened, and then the tumor, tumor dissolved and she was healed. So, um, so there are sometimes progressions like that. With my own mother, um, I'll just share this with you. I mentioned it at the top of the show. With my own mother, I went into the room. I brought my whole family there. We thought we were seeing her for the last time. There was a spirit of death in the room. It was palpable. There was such a darkness in there. Um, and uh, my family, we sang, we prayed for her, and we tried to cheer her up. And then I had my, my family all leave the room, and then I stayed in the room, and I began to minister the Elijah challenge. I begin to take authority over her. 
Now, when I first began to take authority, she didn't feel anything. But I didn't give up because it was my mother. And so I took authority again. And I began to uh, anoint her feet with uh, some lotion and rub those. And I commanded healing to her feet, to her legs, to her to her digestive system. Now, understand, she had not eaten in months, had not been out of bed for in even more months, and had no strength to walk or to even eat or swallow food. And I began to minister to her. After 45 minutes of administering to her and explaining what I was doing and explaining to her what I expected to happen, she told me, I feel tingling in my legs and my feet. And that's when I told her, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And I got her out of the bed and stood her up. She stood up and began to walk, at first slowly and then more and more strongly until she was walking around fine. And then I took her by the hand and I let her out where everyone else was. And that's where she demanded solid food for the first time in about three months. Um, my point is that from beginning to end took somewhere between 45 minutes and an hour. But because I persevered, she was healed. And that's what's uh, important here. Jesus persevered. Um, so when we heal, we're going to lay hands on the afflicted area. We are not going to beg God to heal them. We'll pray first, but we're going to be strong and courageous like Joshua. God has given us the authority. He's told us to heal. We're going to go and heal. We're going to obey and do what the apostles were told to do. We're going to lay hands on them, and we're going to speak strong, clear commands. And when we speak those commands, we expect people to be healed. We all know the story in Acts, I believe it was chapter 4, where Peter and John go down to the gate beautiful, and uh, outside the temple at the hour of prayer, and they, they have this confrontation with the crippled man. Uh, confrontation might be the wrong word. They have this encounter with, uh, with this uh, crippled man in Acts chapter 3. One day, Peter and John were going to the temple, and at the time of prayer, at 3 in the afternoon, now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple, gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for those from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked for them for money. Peter looked straight at him. As he did, uh, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, taking him by the right hand, uh, in the name of Jesus, Nazareth walked, taking him by the right hand. He pulled him to his feet, and instantly the man's feet and ankles were made strong. And he jumped to his feet, and he began to walk and rejoice and run about the temple courts. Now, here's what we see. Two things. Peter speaks the command, and he lays hands on the man and pulls him to his feet to get him started. Okay? These are two important things. Uh, sometimes I've had people say, oh, I have a back injury. Can you... Can you heal me? And I said, um, no, but God can. And he's used me to do it lots of times, so let's do it. And then, after I've pronounced healing to them, I tell them, get out of bed and start walking. And they tell me, well, you know, uh, I've just uh, got comfortable here, and maybe I shouldn't. Well, I can tell you already what their fate is. They will not be healed. Okay? Because if you won't get up and walk, you won't be healed. Uh, when we had the man who was... One of the first miracles that I told about at the top of the show, 
when he was healed, he was um, paralyzed on one side of his body. He could not stand up or sit down in a chair without help, but he could stand once we got him standing, and I told him to start moving his hands. And his fingers would only move about an inch. So as I began to command him to move his hands, suddenly they opened completely and they closed, and his face looked astonished. And then he turned to his wife, and he showed it to his wife, and I realized his hand had just gotten healed. So I told him, I said, move your arm, move your arm. But instead of raising and lowering his arm, he raised his arm up, and suddenly his arm was healed. And he then he, he pointed to his leg and started pointing to his leg because uh, he couldn't speak. He started pointing to his leg, and I said, start walking, walk, walk, walk. And he began to walk, and his leg got healed, his foot got healed. Pretty soon he was jumping and, and running around and hugging his wife and dancing and jumping in circles. And I told the interpreter, I said, find out what his name is. So the interpreter asked him on the, on the, on the microphone, she goes, what is your name? And he says, I can't speak, I've had a stroke. She says, you're speaking right now. And he says, oh, I can speak too. And so he was healed there too. My point is this, if he, they won't move it, if they won't work with you, it's probably not going to happen, okay? So you cannot heal somebody who doesn't want to be healed. You can't chase, chase them down, tackle them, and force them to be healed. If they don't want to be healed, they're not going to be healed. And sometimes people will submit to healing for their family because their family's there when they don't want to be healed. So make sure you have someone who wants to be there. How do you find this out? Just talk to them. Find out what is the nature of their illness. Now, let me tell you another veridical thing that's going on at the church today. <clears throat> Oftentimes, at a healing service, we see the person limp to the front. Then the uh, pastor will lay hands on them, maybe push them down, which, by the way, has nothing to do with healing. There's not one case of people falling down while being healed in the New Testament. In fact, they always get up when they're healed. But uh, they'll push him down, and the person gets back up, and then they'll interview him, and he'll say, by faith I'm healed, and then he'll go limping back to his chair. I got news for you, he's not healed. If he was healed, he wouldn't go limping back to his chair. We Christians got to quit acting like fools and looking like idiots in the eyes of the world. You're not healed if you're still limping. Now stay here and either get healed or go back and admit you were not healed. We don't have to defend God. God defends himself. We don't have to think that we have to cover up for God because God didn't do it. The truth is he didn't do it normally because the pastor doesn't know what he's doing or the person doesn't have faith or maybe a couple other factors. But but if the person will come and they actually expect to be healed, they can be healed. We've seen people from charismatic churches, and by the way, I would consider myself a charismatic, they'll they'll limp up to the front, we we, we attempt to heal them, and they declare themselves healed, and they start to limp off. They say, no, no, get back over here. You're not healed. You're still limping. Let's get you healed. And nine out of ten times, they will get healed. But they have no expectation to be healed, so therefore they're not healed. So there's two things at work here. One, it's the power of God and the name and the authority of Jesus Christ. The second thing is your faith is what heals. Your faith in what God can do and what helps is when the other person has faith too. Now, oftentimes, um, the other person may not have faith, but I have seen that oftentimes sinners have more faith than believers do. Uh, they believe that something, that God can do something in their life, and so they will come and they will be healed. 
And uh, and oftentimes those who just have a sort of a religious spirit, they can't seem to get healed. And I believe it has more to do with their spirit and the way they approach God than uh, certainly doesn't have anything to do with God's power. Now, how do we know who's going to be healed? Um, first of all, I just want you to, to uh, put this first in your mind. There's a presupposition, because God has commanded you to heal, that they're supposed to be healed. Do you understand that? If God says that he wants to heal them and he expects you to heal them, then there's a presupposition there that you can count on that his intent, generally speaking, is to heal. If You must not approach this like, well, maybe God will do it. Uh, I think it's the reason why the hardest people for me to heal are believers. Because they have all this kind of religious stuff floating around in their head. Well, maybe it'll happen at another time. Oh, well, or maybe it's this, or maybe it's that. Sometimes, when we, uh, we've been attending church for a long time, our faith is not as pure as it was when we were new believers. And we've, we've had a lot of things introduced into our mind where we're not the strong person we once were, in, in strong in the sense in our faith. Oftentimes we're stronger in our mental abilities, we're stronger in our knowledge side, but we don't have, and maybe even more wisdom, but we don't have the faith that we should have. And, uh, and God has called us to be people of faith. So, why don't people get healed? There is such a thing as a sickness unto death. And this is why we do pray. Um, you want to pray to find out from the Lord if this is a sickness unto death. I mean, think about this. Elijah, Elisha was dying. And the king came to him and, the, and he pronounced a blessing which in, uh, was not nearly as big a blessing as it should have been for the king. Elisha went on to die. No, wait. He, he was a man of God. He raised the dead. He did all these miracles, and yet he went on to die. But you know what? There was enough Holy Ghost power in Elisha's bones that when some people were in a hurry to bury somebody, they just shoved the, the dead body into Elisha's tomb, and when the dead body touched Elisha's bones, it came to life. So there was enough leftover Holy Spirit power in Elisha after he was dead, to raise the dead. But his sickness was unto death. It was Elisha's time. And uh, we need to be aware of this. Not everything uh, does God intend to heal. If a person is 93 years old and they're standing before you and they want to be healed, um, unless there's a really strong word from the Lord, I'm probably not going to be in this. Uh, I, I, they probably, um, it's probably their time. It's probably time for them to go. In fact, I saw this with my own mother when I went home to see her after um, five, uh, four or five years after being in the mission field. I went home to see her, and I saw the condition she was in, and I released her to the Lord. I said, Lord, she wants to go. Take her home now. And, uh, and within two months, she passed away. And uh, it was the time for her to go. There was, uh, it would have been inappropriate for me to try to heal her again. But the first time, it was the time for her to be healed, for her to have a second chance. She was baptized. She committed herself to the Lord again in some serious ways after that. So um, you need to hear from the Lord in this sense. Pray to make sure it's not a sickness unto death. Okay, that's number one. Number two, we like to say the person's not healed. It's because of they have sin. Yes, it is. 
And for a non-believer, of course they have sin. That's why they're a non-believer. So for a non-believer to have sin is not an issue. Okay? In fact, they do not even have to commit to forsake their sin to be healed. Okay? They can be healed without any of that because God wants to show his power. God is gracious and merciful to the unbelievers, right? And to widows and orphans, etc. We've shown that all through the scriptures. The ones that do need to be right with Christ to be healed is a believer. Now, if a believer has hidden sin, they're not going to be healed. I'll give you an example. We were recently taken, before I came came to the States this last time, we were told about this guy who was a former pastor who was dying of cancer. So we went to his house, and I thought this would be a good experience for our whole church, so I had the whole church go with us. We, we drove as far as we could, and we had to climb up this mountain to get to his home up in the mountains. We got up there, and uh, uh, he had these big tumors in his throat, under his uh, jaw, on his face. His face, uh, one jaw was just uh, completely swollen, I mean, sticking out maybe two or three inches farther than the other with all these tumors. They were blocking his uh, voice box and blocking his airway. He would have trouble breathing. He couldn't sleep at night, but he couldn't lay down and breathe. He had to be sitting up all the time, and they were taking his life. <clears throat> and so I asked him, and this is an important question to ask a believer, not a non-believer. Because remember what it says in James. It says, we'll call for the elders of the church, they'll pray, they'll lay hands on him, they'll anoint him. And then it says, they're to confess their sins to one another and pray for one another. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective like a religious prayer. And they can be healed. So if it's a believer, for them to be healed, they need to be right with God. They need to have confessed their sins. And so I asked him, I asked this man, a former pastor, I said, are you right with God? Is everything resolved between you and God? And he just gave me, didn't even take him a second to give me a thumbs up. He couldn't speak very well. To give me a thumbs up and, and wink and yeah, everything's fine. Now that kind of shocked me. Because if I was to ask most of your audience, or even myself, are you right with God at this very moment in time, I would like to say, uh, you know what, give me about two minutes. There is a couple of things I want to make sure that I've gotten this straight before God, right? We'll confess um, confess our, our prayers to the Lord. He's faithful just to forgive us and cleanse us. There's a couple of things I need to get out. Most anyone would say, you know, can you give me a minute or two? Let me confess my sins. Let me just make sure I really am right with God. But he was very flippant and very quick, but I assume because he's had this terrible cancer growing for about six months or so. Maybe he's had many hours on his bed calling out to God, and so maybe he is right with God. So we attempted to heal him. We laid hands on him, and uh, and we took authority over it, and his face went down almost immediately. I mean, from sticking out two to three inches, it looked like a second, um, like, like he had a triple cheek on one side, three times bigger than the other side. It went down right away, and everyone began to rejoice. The uh, tumors under his uh, neck, under his chin, I was holding those. I could feel them actually shrinking, kind of like vibrating as they shrunk in my hand. Um, and then everybody began to notice that the tumors on his throat, which had been large nodules about the size of golf balls, were now down to like pimples. <coughs> and we called out to God about five, six times, I can tell you honestly, I've never been in a place where there was more faith. You know, faith is sometimes visible. It looks like a yellow mist in the air, at least the few times that I've actually seen it when there's 
great faith present. It seemed like there's kind of a, a kind of a yellowish haze in the air. And I could see the faith that was there. I could see the rejoicing. And I asked him to testify about what happened. And he turned right around. Now he could speak before he could just speak as a whisper. And he said, I feel better. And then he sat down. And I said, is that all you want to say? He goes, yeah. And I have been feeling in my spirit. I have been discerning something was not right. So we laid hands one more time on him. And after that, I stopped it. Now his family was weeping because the joy they were seeing, you could visibly see that he was improving. But the last two or three times, we hadn't seen any improvement. And I was shocked that he didn't want to give glory to God. He just wanted to say, I'm feeling better. And uh, and that kind of confirmed in my spirit something was wrong. And so I stopped the whole thing. And we have some young believers, some college students. And I said, so, you know, we just kind of greeted the family and we prayed for them. And everyone's looking at me like, why did you stop this? Because look at all this progress we've just made. And uh, so some of the young students come outside and said, Pastor, why did you stop? Look, he was he's almost healed. He's almost completely healed. And I said, something's not right here. I can tell something's not right. I said, we'll come back tomorrow and we'll heal him tomorrow if he holds on to his healing. That will be the test if he holds on to his healing. And if he holds on to his healing, then we'll finish the job tomorrow. And so we left. Now, I thought everyone was disappointed. It turns out everyone was pretty excited because they had seen so much of a miraculous miracle occur. That night, he got the best night's sleep he's ever had. And the following morning, all the tumors grew back again by 10 o'clock. Uh, he woke up without them, but from uh, about 7 in the morning till 10 o'clock, they all came back. And so I was uh, told about this, and I was said, and I was invited to come back. And I said, something's not right here, and I'm not coming back until it is. I said, tell him that he needs to confess his sin. Tell him there's something wrong. There's something that he's keeping, that he's not, uh, he's not, he's not being honest before God. And so the answer was, no, there's nothing wrong. Well, three days later, they put him in the hospital, and uh, he was just about to die. They had to put a tracheal tube in and uh, lung tubes into his side. And then his wife came to one of our people and said, okay, here's the real story. Turns out that this pastor is a bigamist, and he has a whole other family while he's married to another woman and a family he deserted years ago. Now, this is fairly common in the Philippines because... Uh, they have they have very strict Roman Catholic laws, which doesn't allow for legal divorce, for and there are legal grounds for divorce in the Bible, uh, so it doesn't allow that. Of course, it's uh, probably better than the laws we have here, where you can divorce for anything. Whenever the wind changes direction, you can get a divorce. But but nevertheless, it's still not right. So what I told him was, he needed to confess this sin to everyone. Just confess it, get it out, lay it before the Lord. There's nothing he can do. He has another family he has to care for now. And he needs to make things right with his uh, former wife and the children that he has over there to the best he can. And uh, he never did that. And uh, a couple of days later, I went to visit him in the hospital. And his brother came to His brother, who's also uh, a pastor, came to me and said, Hey, you know what's going on in his life? And I said, Well, I've heard some stories. And he goes, Well, here's the problem. And then he mentioned a whole bunch more unconfessed sin. So in this particular case, it was a believer with a bunch of unconfessed sin. And because he had unconfessed sin, God's not going to heal him. Because when a believer is healed, his sins are confessed. I mean, his sins are forgiven. He's updated. Now, this is not true of an unbeliever. An unbeliever does not have to be right with God to be healed. 
but a believer does. So when you, that's why it's much easier to heal an unbeliever. So when you're dealing with an unbeliever, you only need to know what is the nature of the illness, what is the nature of the pain, you know, what is wrong with you, number one, and then two, it helps if they believe that Jesus can heal them. And uh, they don't have to come to faith first. Uh, so oftentimes they'll come to faith afterwards, but not always. We've seen people who were healed and walked out rejoicing. As far as we know, they never came to the Lord. So <clears throat> the first thing we do is we pray, because we want to make sure this is not a sickness unto death. Okay? Most of the time, if it's a sickness unto death, they won't come to you. That's the ones with you to go to them. So that's number number. Find out what is the nature of the illness. Have them explain and tell you. We had one woman who kept telling us she was having back pain, and we couldn't get her back to be healed. And yet back pain is one of the easiest things for us to heal. And we couldn't understand why this back pain wouldn't heal. Um, so um, we did some further questions. It turned out it was a kidney problem. So the pain originates in the back, but it's actually a kidney problem. So then what we did was we addressed the kidneys, laid hands on the kidneys, pronounced healing in the name of Jesus, be healed, and the kidneys were healed, and the pain was gone. So there are times when you need to be specific. The more specific you are, the quicker and easier it is to heal. Now, let me just explain a couple of things about what's easy to heal and what's hard to heal. Okay, What's easy to heal? This is my experience. This is not from the scriptures. What's easy to heal is a new injury, a new illness. What's hard to heal is a 20-year-old or a 30-year-old injury or 30 years of paralysis or something like that. What's easy to heal, joint pain, back pain, headache pain, things that may not have a deep uh, injury or uh, that's causing the pain, obviously it's a relatively small um, event to heal something like that. Uh, I, I love back pain. I love uh, hip pain, shoulder pain, headache pain. Those things, those things heal so quickly, it's, it's almost as if they're healed before you start. When I see those things, I just know they're going to be healed. And so those things heal very quickly. There are other things. There are injuries and traumas that are long-lasting. Those are, they've had them for 20 years, 30 years. That's not going to be easy to heal, but if God wants them healed, they'll still be healed. But I can assure you, you're going to have to be persistent to come against that. There's one other thing we mentioned briefly. Sometimes people's diseases are related to demons. It's a demonic origin. It's the source of the of the arthritis or whatever it is. In that case, you're going to pronounce healing, lay hands on them, and take authority and pronounce healing on them. And uh, it'll start out with shoulder pain, and then it moves to the hip, and then it moves to the neck. And then it moves to the other shoulder. And now it's hurting in their arm and their hand. That's demons. Whenever the pain begins to move around, you can rest assured it's demons. They're just being driven out, driven out of one place, and now they're manifesting in a new place. So at that point, you no longer go on with healing, but you now turn to deliverance. And you begin to cast that demon out, as Shannon shows you uh, nightly on his program, and as we've done together a time, uh, one time also. So... Then you take authority over the demons and you begin to cast them out and drive them out and talk to them, find out what their authority is, how they got there, what's their place there, and how they came to be there. And that's how you 
how you uh, drive them out. So if it's a demonic spirit, normally the pain begins to move around. Uh, sometimes if it's a demonic spirit, the person will begin to convulse uh, and begin to uh, kind of uh, manifest in some way. So you're watching for that while you're taking authority. So if you start seeing those things, you're probably dealing with a demon and not an illness. Sometimes, uh, in fact, most of the time when somebody is healed, you, the one laying hands on them and commanding them to be healed in Jesus' name, will feel nothing. That's important for you to understand. Because uh, I, I once, years ago, um, got... It's a long story. I'm going to try to make it short. But God gave me a vision that I would heal people. I misinterpreted the vision, and I thought I would heal a specific person that I saw in that vision. And so I went to lay hands on that person, and they never got healed. And, of course, from that time on, I was afraid to ever, ever do it again. But um, later, I went to Mexico on a mission trip, and while I was down there, they had me preaching. I speak Spanish, but this particular trip, I couldn't even say my name in Spanish. Just nothing was right with my Spanish. So they assigned an interpreter to me, and they had me laying hands on people at the end of the church service. And I can say that about seven times I actually felt something like electricity go out of me, and people were slain in the spirit. There was about another 15 times where I saw nothing happen, and people seemed to manifest about the same way. So... Um, that was my first experience with that. And then years later, I'm a missionary in the Philippines, and I start laying hands on people, and I've seen this over and over again. Most of the time, I don't know if they're healed or not. The way I find out they're healed is I ask them. And whenever you go to heal somebody, have them show you what they cannot do. If they cannot touch their toes, or if they cannot move their arm in a circle, or if they cannot open and close their hand, or if they cannot see out of one eye, or they cannot hear out of one ear or both ears. Have them show you what they can't do. And then you take authority, you pronounce healing in the name of Jesus, ears be opened or eyes be opened in the name of Jesus, joints be healed. Whatever the area is, you speak with authority, you command them to be healed, and then the only way most of the time you're going to know they're healed is you have to ask them, how does it feel? Test it, see how it is. And then the people will begin to move, and uh, often, oftentimes they'll tell you, "What? It's, a, it's it's much better, but it's not well. It's still there, but it's a lot better. good." Then you lay hands right back on it again. You take authority again, and you per persevere until it's healed. The, if they tell you there's progress, do not quit until they're healed. Okay, do not quit until they're healed. Just push through until they're healed. Uh, if there's no progress and you've done two or three or four times and there's no progress, odds are for some reason they're not going to be healed. Now let me give you another example of why, from my personal experience, why people have not been healed who are not believers. I've had people who, had, who were stroke victims and they were in a wheelchair and could not walk and they wanted to be healed. And while we took authority, I think that particular day about 21 people were healed. But this one stroke victim could not get healed. And he asked me, why is this thing so persistent? Why won't it quit? And uh, and I've been taking authority over it, I don't know, maybe close to ten times. I'm nearly exhausted from trying to heal it. And finally, I don't know why, but you're not going to be healed. Well, after this event was over, the following Sunday, some family members came to me, and they told me, they said, we were so glad that he didn't get healed. I said, you were. 
And they said, yes. He said, that guy has been a child molester. He's, he's our uncle, and he's molested every girl in the family. He's even raped some of them. And we were scared to death he was going to be made whole again so that he might victimize more people. Well, you see, God knew what he was doing when he didn't heal them. So you need to trust God. He's sovereign. He knows what he's doing. When somebody doesn't get healed, it's there, for some reason they didn't get healed. Don't try to explain it away. Try to tell him, I don't know why. Don't say foolish things. It's because he has sin. Of course, sinners have sin. We expect that. Uh, we, don't, we don't want to blame God and say it's not God's will or it's not God's time. That's the other thing we like to say to blame God because we can't heal them. I want you to see what Jesus said to his apostles. When they couldn't heal, he said, you of little faith, how long will I stay with you? Notice he didn't blame it on, on the person. He blamed it on them. And so when you don't heal, you, I believe we should, first of all, look to ourselves and uh, make sure that, that we're right with God. Make sure there's nothing in us. Make sure that we've been coming um, prayerfully and with fasting and that we've been coming in humility using God's power and his authority because most of the time, uh, I believe it's it's us. But there's some times when God clearly, sovereignly chooses not to heal. But most of the time, people will be healed uh, when you use power and authority to heal because God's presupposition is for them to be healed. Now, I just want to re relate a couple of more stories from the Bible. You know the story about Aeneas? When, uh, when, um, uh, well, let's go back to the to the man who's healed at the gate. Beautiful. How many people come to faith because he's healed at the gate? Beautiful. Does anybody remember? It comes down to several thousand people come to faith uh, after after he is healed. I'm trying to get you the actual quote. And, uh, While you're looking that up, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to. Mega Man Radio Network. This is a live program tonight. We've got Pastor Carl Henderson on speaking tonight. Uh, his ministry is the Mission of Reconciliation, Re Reconciling Man to God. Their website is www.cten.org. You can reach Pastor Carl up on Facebook. And if you'd like to email him, the uh, email address is chenderson5 at yahoo.com. And at uh, the conclusion of tonight's program, uh, this will be available on MP3. And, you know, Brother Carl, I'm going to be marking this as uh, the uh, the top program uh, because this is such a, a a topic that everybody needs to get a hold of and learn uh, and realize because, uh, you know, they're not preaching this in the churches, brother, and most churches have a message, but you don't see the power of God moving. And, you know, we've had this yeah. power the whole time. People just need to go out there and start commanding it. We've been yeah. praying instead of... Using the authority. Let me give it back to you, right. brother. All right. It's in uh, Acts 4 4 where it says that 5,000 people came to faith because that man was healed at the gate beautiful. And then we have the uh, the other stories uh, that are, are recorded also when Philip goes up to Samaria in Acts chapter 8. And again, he casts out demons and he heals the sick. And then, and then many people believe. And... Uh, we have story after story of uh, when when uh, Peter goes up to Aeneas in Acts chapter 9. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the saints in Lydia. And there he found a man named Aeneas. 
a paralytic who had been bedridden for eight years. That's going to take a little work to heal. I added that. That's not in the Bible. Verse 34. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up. Take up your mat. Immediately Aeneas got up, and all who those who lived in Lydia and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Now you notice that Peter does not pray for him. Notice when Peter was dealing with the man at the gate, beautiful. Again, Peter did not pray for him. He said, money and gold have I none, such as I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And, uh, and this is how we use the authority. Uh, then a little bit later, there in Acts chapter 9, we know the story about uh, uh, Tabitha, or Dorcas as she is also called. She was this great saint, and she had died, and all the people were mourning her. Uh, because she had been such a gracious person when she was alive. Now we're at Acts chapter 9, verse 39. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. And all the widows, widows stood around crying and showing him the robes and other clothing Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out. This is important. Um, make sure when you're hearing from the Lord, you're hearing from the Lord. You're not listening to all these tears. Um, before I became a Christian, I could not cry. I was so hard. Once I become a Christian, I can't even see someone cry without me crying. Uh, God has given me a tender heart, and I never wanted to go back to be hard, so I never fight that either. But it's easy for you to get caught up in a lot of emotions um, as at funerals and different things like this, but you need to really hear from God. So Peter sent them all out, and then he got down on his knees and he prayed. How, here we have him praying. Remember, but I want you to see this is not a contradiction with what I've said before. First, he prays, and I think we need to pray. If you're going to raise someone from the dead, you need to make sure it's God's will. And then apparently, he finds out it's God's will, because it says the next verse, turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. And she opened her eyes, seeing Peter, she sat up. And he took her by the hand and he helped her to her feet, and then he called the believers and the widows together. Notice he prayed first. He wanted to know what God's will was. But then when it came time to heal, he commanded healing. And that's what you're going to see time after time when you look through your Bible. You're going to see the same thing happening again and again. Um, <clears throat> when Peter and, uh, and, uh, and, and Barnabas are in Iconium, um, they, they they come they they're preaching in Lystra. I'm sorry, in Lystra, chapter 14, verse 8. In Lystra, there sat a man, crippled in his feet, uh, who was lame from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him and suddenly had faith to be healed. And he called out, "Stand up on your feet!" And that at that at that the man jumped to his feet and began to walk. And the crowd saw what Paul had done. They shouted. In the, in the Lyconian language. Again, in this particular case, people don't come to faith. Before the day is over, there's a riot, and uh, and um, Paul is, uh, is stoned and dragged outside the city. But nevertheless, there's a big shaking that occurs when the miracle happens. So I want to remind everybody not to think and not to get caught up in this idea because we as Christians have tender hearts. Don't get caught up in the idea that God has called you to heal everybody. Remember the purpose of the healing. purpose of the healing is so that people will believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and God. 
The purpose of the healing is for center, sinners to come to repentance. That's the purpose. The person who gets healed, he's just a beneficiary of God receiving the glory he deserves. And uh, that's what we're called to do, is to make sure God gets the glory he deserves. Oftentimes we in the church, we don't know how to use our power and authority. We don't know how to cast out demons, and we're scared to preach the gospel. God gets zero glory out of our lives. But God wants and deserves great glory. And our experience has been that you cannot go far enough out on a limb that Jesus won't come out and rescue you as long as you're doing it within his will. Now let me show you uh, one more time what authority you have. You have authority to heal the sick. You have authority to cast out demons. And it appears that there are times when we have authority to raise the dead. Okay? That's what it shows. Now, in Jesus' ministry, I think he raised three dead people in three and a half years. I'm always uh, dubious about these people that claim they've raised 20 and 30, but I understand that there's been some people involved in ministries where many as six and eight people have been raised from the dead. Uh, I'm not going to say it's not true, because I wasn't there. And, uh, and I believe God is doing greater things in this time, and God's people are called to do greater things than even Jesus and the apostles did in that time. Um, but that's what you have authority for. Now, having said that, I want to give you a couple of examples of people doing things outside their authority and God still backing them up. I don't know if I related this the last time I was on uh, Omega Man Radio, but we had two young girls who were uh, 19 and 23, I think, or 24 years old, who called for rain on a widow's field. The widow was putting, planting her rice with no water in the fields. The people above her had stolen her water, so it did, didn't get the irrigation water didn't get down to her. She was planting on dry grounds. Those young girls had just healed a woman earlier that day, and the, the old woman said, I'm just happy, hoping that God will have mercy on us, on me, and that there will be water for my rice. So they said, our God can bring the rain. And so they called on God to bring rain. Uh, on a, in the middle of a drought, on a cloudless day, and about two and a half hours later, the rain came. With It just poured with lightning and thunder. And those two uh, young missionaries of ours, uh, uh, these Filipino missionaries, were jumping around, dancing in a circle, holding hands and calling out to God. And everybody else didn't know what had happened until they told them that uh, this rain is the rain we called for. God brought this rain for the widow. And not only that, the next day when they went out to check on the widow, they found out those who had been hoarding her water, the, there was so much rain that it broke down their levees, and they lost all their water, and she had plenty of water. And uh, her crops were saved, and theirs were lost. And, of course, a church was started in that old woman's home right from that day on. So um, now when you do things like calling for rain or trying to turn storms, which we've also done, Understand you're not you're acting outside of your clear authority with God. But what you have clear authority over is to heal the sick and to cast out demons and to preach the gospel. There you never have to wonder, is this the right time or the right place? Um, it is the right time and it's the right place. I always tell everybody how you can how you can tell that it's the right time to share your faith or the right time to heal is to look at your watch. And if the seconds are still clicking, then time hasn't come to an end. It's time for you to heal, time for you to share your faith. 
One other way you can tell is put your fingers up on your neck and feel your heartbeat, feel your pulse. If you're still alive, you're supposed to share your faith, you're supposed to heal the sick, you're supposed to cast out demons. Once you're dead, that's over. You won't be doing that anymore. So if you're alive and time is still going, you're deputized. In fact, you're commanded by the Lord Jesus Christ to heal the sick and cast out the demons. And and, uh, I want to summarize and close now, and then I want to leave this open for some questions. Um, How do we heal the sick? We use the power and the authority of Jesus' name. If I'm going to heal a, a, a headache, I'm going to say, in the name of Jesus, first I'm going to pray. I want to pray because I want God to get the glory from this. But then, once we're through praying, I don't go back to praying anymore. I don't pray and then command and then pray and then command and then pray and then command. Because neither would the President of the United States beg the military and then order the military and then beg the military to go and then order the military to go. You command them because you have authority to command. So, we take it before God in prayer, and then we speak with authority. In the name of Jesus, I command this headache, uh, if it's a headache, headache pain to go in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, I command headache tension, sinuses to be open, uh, headache tension, pain, go in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, headache pain, leave now. Leave and go in Jesus' name. In the name and by the authority of Jesus Christ, I command the headache pain to be healed, to be the, uh, the, the pain to go now in Jesus' name. Leave in Jesus' name. You speak that forcefully, you speak it as a command, and you speak just like that. Now, if the person tells you it's in the back of their head or some other place or it's a certain kind of a headache, if they tell you it's a, um, it's a uh, what's that very severe headache that some people get, they can't migraine. even see? Migraine. If they tell you it's a migraine, command the migraine. Sometimes we've seen that migraines are a spirit. It's a spirit of pain. It's a spirit of migraine pain. So you command whatever they tell you, based on what they say, you try to be as specific as you can in your commands. And you command with authority. Now listen, if you have a little dog and you want it to sit, you don't go, please, 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 Fluffy. Come on, Fluffy. Come on, Fluffy. Please sit, 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 sit. If you're one of those people who do that, I assure you, your dog never sits. However, I can walk up to dogs that are not even mine, and I can tell them, sit and they will sit. Why? I command with authority. And diseases and demons are the same way. You command with authority, and they must submit. And so you use your authority. It's okay to pray for God to increase your faith. And make sure you're right with God before you do the healing. Oftentimes, uh, as as I'm driving to the place, or I'm uh, walking to the place where we're going to heal somebody, I'm confessing all my sins, I'm making sure I'm right with God. Now, I want you to know that you can heal and not be right with God. The proof of that is the Bible says that many will come to me and say, have I not cast out demons and healed people in your name? And Christ will say, I never knew you. And I believe some many of our superstar uh, people on television maybe fall into that category. Because it always often turns out that they have major sin in their life. So you can have sin in your life and heal because of God's authority. And his power is real even if you're a charlatan, okay? However, if you're an honest Christian and you want to serve God, you will find that if you have unconfessed sin, it creates a barrier to your faith. If I'm not right with God, and I know I'm not right with God, I can't heal. 
So I want to make sure, to the best of my knowledge and ability, I get right with God, even if it just takes me two or three minutes, or sometimes it takes me ten minutes, or there's been times before crusades where I spend an hour, hour and a half just pacing and calling out to God and making sure, God, where else? What else have I done? What else do I need to get right from? And make sure that you're right. Now, again, I reiterate, you don't have to be 100% right with God to heal, but if you're 100% right with God, you have great faith to heal. It helps you heal because you know you're right with God. Okay? But just because you have uh, one or two unconfessed sins in your life doesn't mean that you will not be able to heal. Okay? We heal by the power and the authority of Jesus' name. Like the British soldier beating on the door, open in the name of the king. He may have the king's authority, but he may not be doing what the king requires or wants him to do. He may come in and steal things while he's searching the house for rebels. Well, he has no authority to do that, but he does have the authority to open the door and go in. Um, so the same thing applies to us. We, need, we have the power and the authority. We need to use it correctly. Now, let me tell you what we're not supposed to do, and there's not one illustration of in scriptures. After you've healed the sick, People will come to you and they want to thank you. You make sure you give that glory to God. That is not you that healed them. Yes, God used you, but God is the one who heals. And you're just a faithful servant. The second thing is, don't ever take money for what God did, as if you did it. Uh, I, I will, if people offer me um money for my ministry, offer me uh, honorarium for my speaking. Uh, I have learned not to offend them, but, and I will take that money. And I'll, and I'll believe it from the Lord. But when I heal people, I don't take money for that. The Lord did that. All I was was a, was, a, was, a, was a servant of God. And I just did what I was called to do. If you want to find yourself in a real adverse situation with God, start taking money and start taking credit for what he's doing. And watch it come back on you. In fact, I believe you can be demonized. And many of the people who have healing ministries end up with uh, ruined lives. And oftentimes, uh, uh, I'm talking about those who have big names and uh, are, uh, who are making a lot of money. And uh, oftentimes, they're wolves in sheep's clothing. Um, those kind of people, most of the time, you can look through the history, and most of the time, those people end up in drunkenness and drugs and all kinds of perversity and their lives and their ministries and their families ruined. So make sure that you're serving God for the right reasons. Okay? The reason we heal people is so that people will repent and follow Jesus. That's what it's all about. The reason we cast out demons is so people can be set free, so they can serve and follow Jesus more effectively in the church. And the reason we preach the gospel is so people will come to faith by the power of the Holy Spirit using our words. So, interview the person you're going to heal. Find out what's wrong with them. Okay? Pray. Make sure that God is not prohibiting you from healing them. Uh, I have been involved in so many healings now, and I actually say this to shock people, uh, and I'll explain it in a minute. If I don't explain it, make sure to ask me, Shannon. But I will say... I have healed so many people. That's very offensive to a lot of Christians, but I'll explain it in a minute. I have healed so many people that I sometimes have great discernment about this. Sometimes I know 
who's not going to be healed. In a, in a, there'll be 20 people in front of me. I can I know this person and that person are not going to be healed. I also know who's going to be healed first. I'll, have, I'll often pull them out, bring them right up. They're going to be healed the quickest without even knowing what's wrong with them. I can discern this. Uh, it Maybe just, just because of working with God. Maybe it's like Paul when he says he saw that that man had enough faith. And he says, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. So uh, I think with some time, your discernment comes. And I can often tell before the person uh, is ever, anyone lays hands on them, that person's not going to be healed. And I can often tell these ones are going to be healed very quickly. I can also sometimes tell before we've even asked them or interviewed them or talked to them at all, which ones are demonic and which ones are just regular illnesses. That just comes from serving God and being faithful and discernment, and I don't know where it comes from exactly. I'm sure it's from God, and I, and I can't explain how to get there or how to do that, or even how I can't explain how I got there, but I can often tell you before we have even talked to the group, we'll say, who needs to be healed? Come forward in service. And I can I can actually point two or three people right then and there and say, those two are not going to be healed, these 18 will be. And these three right here, they're going to be healed right now. Right, They're going to be healed almost before we start. I don't know how I discern that, but I just assume that it's just from practice, just from healing and being faithful and being obedient to the Lord time and time again. So you're going to pray for discernment. You want to make sure you're not healing somebody who's in, who God intends to, for them to die. However, there's a presupposition that God wants to heal. If it's a person who's a believer, you need to them and admonish them to confess their sin, make sure they're right with God before you lay hands on them. Okay, Make sure they're right with God. Then, once that's done, you pray for the whole group or for the individual. Most of the time, you'll probably start off just healing individuals. You'll pray for the person, and then you make a clear cut stop, and you end the prayer, and now you tell them what you're going to do. and Make them show you how they can't see or how they can't walk or what, um, what um, they can't move or what's the problem. Have them tell you what they can You will lay in that area, and you will speak commands in the name of Jesus, shoulder, arm, back, leg, heart, whatever it is, be healed. Be healed in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, be healed. And you'll speak as specifically as you can, and you do not beg or ask. You command with authority. Command with authority, because you have the authority of Jesus Christ. All authority on heaven and earth have been given unto him, and he has given it unto you. Okay, so you command with authority. How do you know they're healed? You ask them if they're healed. So when you first start healing, I strongly recommend that you don't uh, try to heal someone with a heart condition. Because people with a heart condition can't tell you if they're healed or not healed. Or somebody has high blood pressure. Occasionally they can tell you, it's pounding in my head right now, and now it stopped pounding. But most of the time you don't know if they've been healed because they don't know if they've been healed. So you don't know if to, to keep going or if the job is done. So uh, I recommend that you start out healing people who have obvious uh, illnesses and pain. If somebody comes to you and says, well, I have this back problem, and I say, well, when does it bother you? At night when I'm sleeping. Well, will you know 
Does it bother you now? No. Will you know now if you're healed or not? No. This is a very hard person to heal because you don't know if they're healed or not healed. They don't know until they go home and sleep that night. Okay? So in that case, you will you will make a run at it a couple of times in Jesus' name, and then you release them because you can't tell if they're healed or not healed. The only way you will know someone is healed is if they tell you. Okay? So you ask them, can you see now? Can you can you read this from a distance? Uh, can you read now when you couldn't read? Can you see how many fingers am I holding up when they were blind before? Um, you know, what color is my shirt uh, to someone who was blind before? Um, you know, and and try to make them explain and show you that they're healed. If they're not healed, but there's been improvement, go back again. And command again in Jesus' name. If there's improvement, remember the story Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a grain of mustard, that you'll be able to cast this mountain into the sea. And if you speak the word, if you have the faith of God, and you speak the word, it'll be cast in the sea. So if there's improvement, that means the mountain is moving. If somebody says, I couldn't see, but now I see light and dark, I can see when I'm looking at a light bulb and when I'm looking away now, and I couldn't see anything before. Okay, the mountain's beginning to move. Keep taking authority. Keep taking authority. Um, if somebody tells you, nope, I can't see anything, nope, I can't see anything, nope, I can't see anything, uh, then then they're probably not going to be healed. Another question you want to ask them. Always ask them, do they believe that God can heal them? And then ask them, do they believe that God can use you to heal them? Uh, we had one man who actually stood defiantly with his arms crossed. He's of a well-known denomination. And he was deaf in just one ear. And we could not heal him. Me and one of my Filipino missionaries were trying. We could not heal him. And finally, after about the fifth or sixth time, <coughs> I asked him, I said, do you believe God can heal you? He said, yes. And then I said, well, do you believe that God can use me to heal you? And he kind of looked down and he said, no, no, sit down. Sit down. There's no point in continuing. We're not going to go anywhere. That same night, about ten minutes later, that Filipino missionary and I healed two deaf and dumb girls. And they both spoke for the first time, one clearly, and the other one could repeat any word that we told her to say after uh, after she was healed. So the... Uh, the problem was not us, it was not the power of God, it was the person. And again, it was a believer. And uh, it's more difficult to heal believers than it is to heal non-believers. But ask them if they believe you can heal them, because that's a big... If they say, there's no way you can heal me, odds are that's true. Uh, according to their faith, be it unto them. If they're absolutely resistant, you're not going to heal them, probably. Uh, there, I'm sure there are some. there are exceptions, but as a rule, you're not going to heal them. So you lay hand on the afflicted area. You command with authority in Jesus' name. We're using mountain-moving faith, and you and you command like God did. When he was creating, he didn't say, let there be light, and then slowly turn around and uncross his fingers and check to see if there's light. You command as if light will be there. You command the way you're supposed to command. Faith means that you, what's unseen, you believe as if it was seen. If you do that, I promise you, you will see many miracles. I promise you, you'll
right. It uh, looks like we have just lost Pastor Carl. His battery may have went out uh, unless my Skype has gone out. And he's speaking, and I'm not hearing him. Here's what, yep, he's gone. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take about a five-minute break, and then we're going to get Pastor Carl back on. What a teaching tonight, folks. Praise God. If you have a question for Pastor Carl, tonight is the night to ask him. He's going to be heading back to the Philippines in about a week, going to scout uh, the land for the Watchman Radio Crusade, Attack on Witches Island. He's also going to Indonesia. And uh, this is your opportunity tonight uh, to get a hold of him. And if you've got a question on this teaching tonight, uh, you'd like uh, to speak to Pastor Carl, we're going to be opening up the lines here in a moment. We're going to take about a five-minute break, and then we're going to be back on uh, with Pastor Carl. He's going to finish, and he's going to uh, stay on for some open lines. I'm not going to be doing deliverance um, with Pastor Carl tonight because I wanted to make sure that he had ample time to go through this training. It's that important. So please limit your calls to uh, questions for Pastor Carl. And um, after the conclusion of this program, if there are people that would need uh, prayer tonight for deliverance, what I'll do is I'll go into a fourth hour if necessary. Uh, Praise God for everybody tuning in tonight. We're going to go to that break, and then we'll be right back with Pastor Carl. Dial area code 917-889-2745 and press option 1 on your phone. To listen live to Omega Man Radio from your cell phone, dial 917-889-2745. From coast to coast and worldwide on the Internet, this is Omega Man Radio with Shannon Davis. All right, welcome back to Omega Man Radio. Uh, This is a live program tonight. We've got Pastor Carl Henderson on the program teaching how to do the healing ministry that Jesus Christ called us to do. It's not praying and asking God that he would heal them. It's understanding our authority and commanding healing in Jesus Christ's name. We lost uh, Pastor Carl. Uh, We're going to bring him right back. Stand by, folks. Let's get him back on the line here. We're going to open up these phone lines, and if you would like to speak to Pastor Carl, we can take your call tonight. This is your opportunity. If you had a question on tonight's teaching, uh, you need anything uh, elaborated upon, or you'd like to ask a question that has come up in your mind, uh, this is your opportunity. I praise God uh, for having the opportunity to bring Brother Carl on tonight. I want to thank God for Watchman Radio. Uh, shouts out to them and to everybody that's tuning in tonight. Uh, I believe Rich Kelton is also going to try to get uh, Pastor Carl on uh, this weekend, we're pushing for that because uh, when Pastor Carl hits the road, he's busy. He's on the front lines. Uh, he's going to Indonesia shortly. We'll be uh, going into the heart of darkness, Sikihior Island in the Philippines, where there's over 30,000 witches and warlocks uh, on that island that for a few Filipino dollars, a photograph, maybe a scrap of your hair and your birth date, they'll send demons out to attack and kill you if they could. And many people die that way that are not covered with the blood of Jesus. Witchcraft attacks are real. You've got to know how to defend against them. And you know what? Psalms 109 means what it says. They want to curse, let cursing come back on them. People die 
because they do not use what the Word of God gave us to defeat the enemy, to attack them. So praise God for uh, this message tonight, the ministry of Brother Carl Henderson, and we're going to get him back on right now. Stand by. Hey there, Pastor Carl. God bless you. Welcome back. Uh, folks, okay. I burnt Hello. out Pastor Carl's battery tonight. He <laughs> he, uh, he has come on tonight, and uh, what a brother! What a training tonight. Um, I would uh, where we left off was basically you were saying, um, you know, if we're going to be doing what Jesus asked us to do, we need to understand that uh, when the healing takes place, we're not to take credit for it because we didn't heal. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. And the minute we forget that, um, we can open ourselves up to to spin out of control. Um, many have went down the road and they let it go to their head and they forgot it was Jesus healing. And, you know, the enemy took them out. Uh, I know one, in fact, brother, that uh, is out there, had a great ministry in the early days. He forgot who was doing the healing. And um, he didn't give the thanks to the Lord. And now he's selling uh, holy water, infomercial style. I mean, some sad things have happened, you know. And we not better not forget about the, the what the Bible uh, said about the uh, the king who the he didn't give the Lord the praise, and the worms ate his flesh right there on the spot. He dropped dead. Folks, this is a very serious ministry. Okay, it's a very serious thing that the Lord has called us to do, and we need to understand we're just bond servants for Christ. It's Jesus Christ who does the healing, and uh, healing is for today. Just as Pastor Carl is. Uh, speaking on tonight we can do these things and you know brother it says that uh in the last days they shall do exploits you know greater things than even jesus did if we'll just have the faith and we'll go out and exercise this authority and command it you know not say lord i ask that you would heal this person right now and stop right there no he wants us to command the healing to take place in the name of jesus christ that authority let me give it back to you brother okay i was i think i was finishing up talking about david and how David came, and he killed Goliath because he came in the name of the Lord. But the name of the Lord would have not killed Goliath. It takes somebody to grab the sling and the stones and to go. God was willing to strike Goliath down. God wanted to receive the glory he deserved, but it took a David to go out there. And that's the point of everything that I've told you today. And my voice is starting to give out a little bit here, too. But the point is this, <clears throat> you must come in the name of the Lord. But if you don't come or go, no one else will go. And God doesn't show up sovereignly very often. If you read through your New Testament, there's only one Damascus Road experience. There's only one earthquake at Philippi that loses the, the Apostle Paul and leads to the conversion of the Philippian jailer. Those events are relatively rare in comparison to the thousands of people who came to faith. So we need to be those who believe the word and do what it says to do. We need to go against diseases and demons and illness and death. And we need to come in the name of the Lord Jesus. And we need to come with kingly authority and with the kingly anointing and destroy the works of the wicked one. 
It, the, the Bible tells us very clearly that Jesus came to destroy the works of the wicked one, and he's given us the authority to do that too. More than the authority, he has commanded us to do it. See, we need to quit treating these things as if they're optional. These things are commands. When, Jesus, when Peter failed to walk on the water, Jesus was mad. Why did you doubt? Why did you look at the wind and the waves? Why did you fear? I believe if we can hear the Lord Jesus, he's saying that to the whole church. Why do you doubt? Why don't you obey? Why do you keep asking me to do what I've already given you the authority to do? Now, the good news is we have such a gracious God that there will be people even calling in tonight, I'm sure, who will tell you about prayers being answered and people being healed. And as I said, my own son was healed like that. But that's not the way, the right way. That's not the way we're commanded. God is so merciful and so gracious and so loving that he will often uh, meet us at our moment of need. And in prayer, even when we do everything wrong, but imagine what happens when we start doing right. As I said, uh, I've pastored for a while here in the States in different places, and uh, I've seen people healed, including my own son healed, when we prayed. But I normally saw about 3 out of 25 people healed. But when I started using the power and the authority of Jesus' name, when I started commanding in Jesus' name, that's when I started seeing 8 and 9 out of 10 people healed. Sometimes everybody healed. Now my missionaries and I actually are always shocked when people are not healed because we're so used to expecting them to be healed that we're wondering, what is going on here? Why didn't they get healed? What is at fault here? Is it us? Uh, you know, What is God doing here that we are not aware of and why haven't we picked up on it? because somebody wasn't healed. Because we just expect that when we take the authority of Jesus' name, people will be healed. Now, I did make one exception, and i make this exception again. It seems to me that believers are the hardest people to heal, especially if they have unconfessed sin, and those that have unconfessed sin oftentimes are reluctant to admit they have unconfessed sin. And then secondly, uh, if you have a bad theology you believe you cannot be healed, then according to your faith, be it unto you, that person probably cannot be healed. And um, also, if they, um, if they are rebellious against God or against you, or if they just don't have faith, and I'm, I'm uh, saddened to say this, but I see more faith amongst unbelievers than I do amongst believers. Sometimes believers' theology and their reasoning and their thinking and their experience, uh, uh, maybe I should say people that claim to be believers, but nevertheless, it seems to me much more difficult to heal a Christian, especially in America, than it does to heal an unbeliever in America or in Asia or anywhere else. And we've healed them in Thailand, we've healed them in Malaysia, we've healed them in Mexico, we've healed them uh, all over the United States too. <coughs> But um, I think there's a reason why God gives the gift of healing, a, a gift from the Holy Spirit for the church, because that's for the church. But for using the power and authority, we all have, and that it has one goal. Always remember, why are you healing? It's so that non-believers 
will believe and repent and put their faith and trust in Jesus and serve him for the rest of their lives. The whole point of every miracle is to bring unbelievers to faith. And if they get healed, that's just a byproduct of God being the glory that he deserves. But the point of healing is to bring unbelievers to faith. Uh, i just share one more brief story. The first time I was asked to heal in a church, to be frank, I was alarmed because all the healing I had done was with unbelievers. And so I thought to myself, this may be difficult, but I told the pastor, make sure that you guys bring in visitors, you bring unbelievers there to that church. And that day we healed, uh, if I remember correctly, 16 people. And it's the, it's the second or third largest church in the city that I live in in the Philippines. And we healed 16 people. And uh, then there was another time where I was invited to a church. And again, in this particular case, there was no visitors. And yet we healed again. Now, I have seen repeatedly now that I can heal in almost any church. And that tells me that there are many unrepentant sinners in our churches who believe they are Christians. Because why is God showing up with such power and authority to convince unbelievers to believe unless the churches are full of unbelievers? And so I have seen that you can do this in churches as well. But remember, the intent of this is not to heal people. The intent is to bring unbelievers to faith so that their faith will, tr will rest in the power of God and not in the eloquence of our superior wisdom and persuasive speech, but in the Spirit's power. Because if you have faith in my philosophy and my ability to persuade you, when I leave, your faith is gone. But if you have faith in God's power, then you can believe through the trials, tribulations, troubles, and persecution. And you can believe to the end, and you can believe that Jesus will raise you up in the resurrection because he can also heal in this world. And so we always say this time and time again, the God who heals is the God who's real. If your God can't heal, then he's not the real God. And we challenge witch doctors with this. We, we challenge cultists with this. We challenge Muslims with this. The God who heals is the God who's real. If your God can't heal, he's not real. And my fellow Christians, if you're worshiping a God who can't heal, you're not worshiping the God of the Bible because that God is the God who heals. And that God is the God who is real. I'd like to just kind of open it up for questions and answers and things like that now, Shannon, if that's okay with you. And rest Amen. My, rest my voice. Amen. Praise the Lord. Folks, uh, what a teaching tonight. This is a must-download uh, that everybody must get and spread around because this is what the Lord has called us to do. You know, just as you said, Pastor Carl, few are willing to stand in the gap. And God uses men and women to, uh, to go out there and act as his vessels of honor and carry these things out. If you and I don't do it, folks, who's going to stand in the gap for these people that are perishing out there? Um, you know, God was looking for a man. He couldn't find anyone. Everybody was doing his own thing. Let that not be the case with us today, folks. There are people that you could uh, do a miracle healing on, bring the whole family in. Um, and God's waiting to use you and I. We've just got to get out there and, and walk in this authority and, and command it in Jesus' name. We're going to open up the phone lines right now. If you'd like to talk to Pastor, 
Carl Henderson, this is your opportunity. He is a busy man. This man is out on the front lines, even going into the underground church in countries where we, they don't have the freedom that you and I have, folks. Let me just leave it like that. And that uh, at great risk to his physical self, uh, he's out there standing the gap for men and women. And so anytime we get him on, we're tickled to death. I want to thank uh, Rich Keltner, Watchman Radio, for introducing us to Pastor Carl. It's an honor and a pleasure to know this man. He's out there not uh, just giving a message. He's doing what he preaches and demonstrating it. And so uh, I would encourage everyone to get behind the ministry of Carl Henderson. He didn't ask me to make this appeal, but I will tell you that those that have financially underwritten this ministry, uh, God has uh, taken that seed and blessed it and returned it to them. There's many testimonies. You know, folks, that's who you want to get behind. You want to get behind a ministry that is doing the work that Jesus did. They're out there preaching the gospel. They're doing deliverance. And they're doing miracle healing. And then they're teaching other people to get out there and do that. I mean, that's the key right there. Build an army. You know, don't uh, give them a fish, but teach them how to fish. And then they go out there and multiply. Isn't that right, brother? And that's what you all do. Uh, And I know that there's a great need, folks, for help in the Philippines right now. You know, Pastor Carl will bring people up, uh, train them. And ask them to, you know, just bring a toothbrush, basically. And, uh, you know, it takes it takes uh, resource to do this. They need your help. Pastor Carl, uh, before we take our first call, uh, give people your contact information. If someone's speaking to a person out there right now, either live or on MP3, and says, get behind this ministry, how can they uh, get involved with you and support your ministry? They need to call um, or, or email C10. That's commission to every nation, C T E N dot org and mission or agency that's uh, our sponsoring agency and they uh they have um uh, a lot of different missionaries. Just tell them that you wanna you wanna contribute to the ministry of Carl uh, Pastor Carl Henderson or Mission of Reconciliation. They'll recognize either one of those or M O R that you wanna you wanna contribute to what's going on there and be a part of our ministry. And uh, they can set you up so that you can give on a monthly basis or give a one-time gift. Um, I want to—I do want to encourage. Um, you know, uh, this—it kind of sounds like bragging, but I'll put it in context at the end here. You know, I—I I think we minister and we do ministry very, very well. And if I knew of anybody who was doing it better than us, following the Bible, uh, I would just be doing what they're doing. But I don't know of anybody better. But if I find something I'm teachable, I will learn it and I will absorb it, and we'll be doing that too. That's why I don't know of anybody who's doing a better job than us at ministering. But I want to say the other side of the coin is there's probably nobody worse at raising money and raising support than I am. And I'm not good at it. I don't feel comfortable about it. And uh, it's difficult for me. In fact, our ministry is uh, I basically... Uh, live off of uh, my pension. I'm a retired law enforcement officer, uh, and even though I, I minister bivocationally all these years as um, uh, pastoring and in law enforcement, but but once I retired, I basically put my money where my mouth is, and we use and live off of uh, the support. My family lives off the support that I have from my little pension. I could not live on it here in America. It's not that big, but in uh, the Philippines, if we're careful, we can live off it. So I want to encourage people to support us. 
Uh, I don't feel comfortable asking for this. I always like it when someone like you does it for me. But um, the, the, the thing we're not good at is raising support. And we have uh, 14 Filipino missionaries now out in the field that we support, that we've trained, we've equipped. They're healing their sick. They're casting out demons. They're preaching the gospel. We planted 89 uh, house churches. That number rises and falls. We sometimes consolidate churches into one and stuff. But right now we're about 89 the last time we counted. And we're working in three different areas of the Philippines. Plus we travel all through the Philippines, Thailand, Malaysia. Uh, going to be going to Indonesia in September of this year for six weeks. And we teach people to do what we're doing. We we teach them, we take them by the hand, we show them, we train them, we get them doing it, and then we send them on their way with the blessing of God and and uh, to, to watch them prosper. And I might add this, that sometimes we look around in America, we think Christianity is on its last leg. I don't really believe that, but it does appear that way uh, at, when you look at things at face value. But I can tell you that in Asia and in many other places in the third world, I've heard the same in Africa and South America, let me tell you, the kingdom of God is on the move. It's on the march. The fields are white for the harvest. People are beating down the doors to get into the kingdom of God, and we just don't have any real missionaries. We have a lot of missionaries there, but not many of them uh, are really preaching, healing, and delivering, and planting churches. But um, but but so I just want to encourage people. If you want to be a part of that, um, your help would be greatly appreciated, and I I I assure you there'll be rewards in heaven for your giving for what's going on. Folks, uh, I I could not have articulated that better. Um, that's a true statement there. You want to get behind a ministry that's doing what Jesus did, and I couldn't think of a better one to get behind. Support Pastor Carl and the mission down there. It says one plants a seed, another waters it. They both share in the harvest. We're going to take some phone calls right now, and I see a, I see a friend, Brother Rich. God bless Hello. you, my friend. Rich Keltner. Hey, how you doing, guys? Praise God. Hey, my hey, friend. Hey. The program. Old <laughs> <laughs> whole week. <laughs> I just called in to see if you'll be on Saturday night, Carl. Saturday night. Uh, we, yeah. we need an encore. Lord willing. Brother Carl. Lord willing, I, I can do it. All right, good. Now you're, you're recorded saying that, so you can't uh, sidestep <laughs> us. So we got, okay, Watch Radio's book and Carl Henderson Saturday night. And we would like the same teaching because it was so powerful that uh, it's actually inspired me again. You know, it just it fires me up, and um, you know, we need to hear more more preaching like this. Praise you know, God. Uh, Pastor Carl is a humble man, but you and I know the true story behind the scenes that many people don't know, folks. This is a brother that goes out uh, in some very modest conditions out there in some of these third world countries. You know, he's not staying in a five star hotel. Uh, there have been times where Pastor Carl was so committed and people did not come forward to help that he had to live on fish heads in a hotel room. <laughs> Pastor, I think I exaggerated that a little, Carl. Was well, it he'll, eat, he'll eat dried fish if he has to. Now, one day he's going to share the testimony, but this is a brother that uh, knows how to survive in the jungle. Well, he was and a seal scout, so I believe they ate monkeys, so I don't know. But uh, that's a rumor. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I got I, I got trained in uh, in eating a lot of bad stuff along the way. So, uh, but uh, yeah, it, uh, it is true that there are times when we are functioning with very little means, but we keep functioning, we keep working, and uh, and we believe God. Um, 
the Lord delivers, you know, like the Apostle Paul, we know how to how to uh how to function with a lot and we know how to function with a little. And uh, I can vouch Carl does not stay in four star five star hotels. Carl will tell you though, I, I, the the last room I got him and he got locked in the bathroom for a day. <laughs> <laughs> with no water. Folks, and that's the son of a true man of God. Uh, he he'd go anywhere, anytime, and he's ready. Um and I praise God for a man like that. I mean, he's the real deal. That's uh, if we had more of you, brother, we we would uh, we could really attack the host of hell out there in a big way. And that's what the ho- the hope is here, folks. That people will get trained up and do what Jesus said to do. Uh, which reminds me, uh, Rich, tell people, yeah. um, because it's very rare I get both you and Carl on at the same time. You're a busy man, but um, uh, tell people uh, the plan uh, to attack Witch's Island. Witch's Island is the buzzword for really. It's an island in the Philippines, and Sikikor, and it's a uh, it's off the coast of Cebu, and it's the nucleus center for witchcraft, black magic, crystals, ointments, and oils, and charms, and fetishes, and effigies for really a lot of Asia. And people outsource, and we know for a fact of some uh, murders that were done, and Maria can tell you uh, that actually uh, a well known. Uh, uh, Athlete was actually hexed uh, from that island from a spell uh, that it was brought out into the news uh, where this person couldn't perform anymore. So the witchcraft and black magic in the Philippines is a whole nother level. And Carl will tell you, uh, he's battled it and he's, he, does, he, he does spiritual warfare uh, against this because you have to um, battle in the spirit. And I'm sure we're going to have a lot of um, spiritual battles when we go to Zion. Now, Carl's going to be going back to the Philippines, and we're going to begin the process. The process to Sikikwa Island, or Witch's Island, is uh, he's going to go there with another pastor or somebody he chooses. We do have new connections in the Philippines that we just found out two weeks ago. Pastor John Kyle's friend is also in the Philippines, so that's a divine meeting also that a mega man, uh, we have to research that, right? Absolutely, uh, you know, folks. Few will few will go into the uh, the heart of darkness, and the goal here is to get in there in a place where they need the light of Jesus Christ. And just as uh, Pastor Carl is trained tonight on how to do healing, he's going to go in there, and God is going to orchestrate it where there will be people that will come up and be healed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. And they're going to demonstrate it, and I believe people are going to come to Christ as a result. And you know, they'll see whose power is real. That's right. Yeah, that's the goal here, folks, to take Jesus Christ to the uh, to, to the places that uh, where there's a great harvest waiting. If someone will be brave enough to walk in, you know, Jesus was sent to uh, those that needed a physician, and that's that's the goal here. He that wins souls is wise, and that's the ministry yeah. of uh, Pastor Carl Henderson down the Philippines. And so, um, support uh, this effort of Watchmen Radio and Pastor Carl going into Witches Island. Rich, uh, how can people get involved if they would like to help underwrite Pastor Carl in this mission into uh, Sikiyor Island? So many people have already have, and the fund, the nest egg fund, I call it, is on the side, and we have three quarters of the money so far. So we just need a little bit more to push this through. Uh, of course, this time we are going to have um, Tommy's friends, uh, the, the film crew go, so we don't miss anything as far as any type of you know, Pastor Carl will tell you the first time 
Uh, we did the Crusade in the Mindanao region. We had about 20 or 30 miracles that we lost. The devil came against the SD chip, and we lost uh, some powerful miracles, including a little boy who only had stumps that grew out into feet, and also a man whose leg was completely gangrene named Hank, who today is a minister now. But he before that, his Carl will tell you, his whole leg was, was stinking. I'm really said it stunk. And um, they were going to amputate his leg. His leg was gone. And Carl will tell you, they came in healing to that leg, and it, he was jumping around. We, have him, we, ha, we do have him on video jumping around, but the actual miracles, the, 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 the real manifestations of growing out and things turning color, and the, those things were lost. So this time we're going to have a professional uh, film crew go with Carl because I truly honestly believe that there's so much darkness in this island. The island is so inhabited by... Uh, witches, warlocks, black magics, uh, and workers of the dark arts, that ministers don't really even go there. There's very few uh, crusades or, or, or uh, healing programs that ever went through this area because of the witchcraft. People have so much faith in witchcraft. Now, it's going to be, I believe it's going to be easy to convert them, like, the, like Mount Carmel, because when they see the demonstration and the true power of God and the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they will turn from the dark arts and and come over to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's that's our whole game plan here is to go to one of the darkest places, and um, they're the most in debt to the Lord, and it says to go to to you know this this uh, this foreshadows in Scripture where we are to go to, to uh, those that are most in debt, including the unjust servant. He went to all those in debt. He knew he couldn't dig holes anymore, but he, he began to forgive the debts of the, of the most that were in debt. And that's kind of an uh, a analogy of how, how we our mindset is in this island, Sikiko Island. But you can get involved. If you want to be a link in this chain and a contribution to help the Sikiko Island Crusade, which is Island Crusade, just go to nextcrusade.com, watchmanradio.com, click on the left there, the donation button will come up, or you can mail into our P.O. box uh, 1576 West Babylon, New York, 11704. And all that information is on nextcrusade.com. And like I said, I, I want to thank everybody, and many people are in the chat room tonight, that have that I have noticed that have already contributed to this crusade. And I'm telling you, it's going to be powerful. You sowed into something that's going to be powerful. I'm excited about it. I know, Mega Man, you're excited about it because you want to go. And I know Carl is excited about it because... Carl loves the front lines, right, Carl? <laughs> yeah, where the, that's where the action is. You know, it, wherever the most darkness is, that's where the light shines the brightest. And I, I believe and I hope that we can topple this uh, dynasty of evil there, that it will free, it will send ripples of freedom all across the Philippines and Asia of those who are bound, that they can see just how fragile this is when the Spirit of the Lord comes in and uh, and drives out the darkness. Amen. Amen. And uh, Pastor Carl, I see a question in the chat room. Uh, you all mentioned Indonesia. Do you have the location and dates that you'll be uh, in that country? Uh, I don't have the actual locations and dates yet. Um, but if they uh, contact me, uh, I can I can get those uh, dates probably in the next month or two. I know we're going to spend about uh, three, I think two or three weeks in Borneo and the rest of it will be on the mainland of Indonesia, but I don't think we will be in Jakarta. We'll be in some other places. 
and then I need to make sure once I have those places that I can actually mention it. You know, that's a Muslim majority uh, nation, so we can't. It all depends oh, yes. where we're going. Some some places that's not a problem at all. We can, you know, they, they even have banners up when we get there. Other places, it depends. Uh, um, I'm kind of the guest here. I'm not in the lead, so I'll, uh, I'll, I, if somebody gets in contact with me, I can tell them what I know as soon as I know it. You know, folks, that's, that's, that's true. There are some places you can't announce ahead of time because they'll be waiting for you. You know, that's a country where they'll take your head off in some of those wow. islands. Not to mention Borneo, they still have headhunters over there, as far as I know, uh, <laughs> that will literally take your head and eat you with oh a spoon. So, um, you know, some of you would uh, would love to go to these countries, but you're not able to physically make the trip. Maybe you've got other uh, obligations, but you know what? You can go there in spirit, and you can support this work and share in the harvest. So, pray about what God will have you to do, and get in touch with uh, Rich Keltner and support this uh, mission to the. Which is Island, and support uh, the work at large of Pastor Carl in the Philippines. Brother Carl, um, you've been over in the Philippines now how many years? Uh, over three years now. Now, um, you're, at the, you're on the last uh, part of your tour there. Uh, when do you expect to, uh, to finish your post We're, in the Philippines? Lord willing, we'll be finishing up in about a year's time in the Philippines, and then we'll be coming back to the States. I have some boys in college that I need to shepherd a little bit before they leave and, and uh, try to, uh, and then we'll be um, looking for a ministry here, and then we'll always be a part of what's going on in the Philippines. We'll be leaving behind Filipino uh, missionaries, so we'll be going back every year for a couple of months to make sure everything's on track and train up more missionaries and, and, um, and uh, you know, restore and refresh the missionaries we have there, give them more training. And and keep the ball rolling that we started. You know, if you uh, if you go with a missionary and you come home and nothing remains, you've pretty much wasted your time. And uh, oftentimes we don't know what remains, but we want to keep what what is still going going as as long as we won't keep it spreading. And we have a lot of Filipino church planters and evangelists that we've trained up who are out there doing the work, and we've replicated ourselves. That's what we intended to do. And God has really blessed us with visible fruit and a lot of other fruit. But there's been many trials and hard times, and there's persecution along the way too. Um, but that's how we know we're in the, we're in the battle, because uh, only those who get some um, get um, munitions thrown their direction are in the battle. The rest of them are in the rear. Amen. Uh, if you're not being attacked, that's probably um, a good sign that uh, you're not hurting Satan's kingdom, folks. As one lady said, you know, I'm, I've been serving the Lord. I'm 92. I've never had any attacks. Well, as it turned out, she sat on the pew, or the brother. They never did anything to attack the enemy. He had them right where they wanted. And, um, you know, folks, if you're getting hit by the enemy, you must be pressing in on him. So that's a good sign. Stay covered in the blood you know, of Jesus and keep on attacking. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Reminds me of a joke, Shannon. Uh, you know, that in the early days, Christianity was not called Christian. They were called the way. And as was one woman once told me that uh, she had been in the way now for 30 years. And I told her, well, it's time for you to get out of the way and start doing the Lord's work. <laughs> That's right. Oh, amen. <laughs> amen. Folks, um, well, I'm looking forward to Pastor Carl getting back. That means we'll be able to get him uh, on the programs more. Uh, Brother Carl, how are we able to do a program with you once you get to the Philippines? Uh, I know you're pretty remote out there. Do you have access to uh, Skype or anything like that? 
we've had trouble setting up Skype in the past. I uh, sometimes I have uh, have the uh, boy. I'm I'm a little uh, electronically challenged, but uh, oh, Magic uh, Jack, maybe? Richard, Richard, yeah, Magic Jack, and Richard have been able to do it even on our mobile phones. We've had pretty good connections at time where we've been able to. In fact, I think I had a better connection than than the people we had uh, on with us here in the states. So it just depends on the circumstances and just getting it set up. But we right. can make it happen for the other if um, if there's a, a need or a way we can do it. As long as there's not a schedule conflict, I'm always willing. Praise God. Well, folks, uh, this time has just flown. Uh, what, a, what an awesome um, time on the Lord. I think we have time for one caller, and then we're going to go off the live stream. Uh, but before we take that call, Pastor Carl, give out your contact information one more time, please. Okay. If you want to talk to me, it's C... Henderson, number five, at yahoo.com. If you want to contribute to us as tax deductible through Commission to Every Nation, that's C-T-E-N.org. C-T-E-N.org. And just tell them it's for Pastor Carl or Mission of Reconciliation. And um, uh, either one of those two ways. You can talk to me also on Facebook. I'll take anybody as a friend, well, within reason. And... Uh, um, and we can you can talk on there and see me on there. Especially, I've been pretty active on Facebook since I've been in the states. I'm not so active when I'm in the Philippines because I'm a little busy there. But um, either way, we'd love to hear from you, and we we need support. And I also want to encourage you to support this uh, this this move to Witches Island to do this through Richard Keltner and Watchman Radio. Also, Amen. And Rich, give out uh, your contact information again, please. Yeah, um, toll-free number is 877-734-6327, and the website is nextcrusade.com, and uh, <clears throat> it's the easiest way to get a hold of us, yeah. Rich and Brother Carl, uh, hanging on the line, let's take, we got time for one call. Uh, before we go off the stream, let's go to area code 540. 540, you're on the air with Pastor Carl Henderson and Rich Keltner. Hey, Shannon, and Pastor Carl and Rich. Hey. Uh, my name is George. I'm calling from Virginia, and I'm glad you picked my call. Uh, have you guys ever tried Yahoo Messenger? For as far as chat from the Philippines, you could go right to your messenger. Uh, Shannon, you could open up a messenger, and, and you could have voice instantly. Really? Yeah, yeah. I tried to PM you because I, I'm new to the show. I've watched your stuff on YouTube, and I could not find my way to the chat room. So I tried to open a messenger box to send you a message, but obviously you're not on the messenger. Okay, you're talking about um, Yahoo and y'all Messenger. Are using the Yahoo, y'all are using the Yahoo uh, emails, so okay. you get the Yahoo Messenger, and you can you can open a chat room there. Hey, that's a good idea. You can actually have a conference room there in Yahoo, cool. and just simply, uh, you'll have to invite people that way, though, because it used to be you could have a chat room out in the public view where they would just go to the Yahoo chat rooms and go right to your room. They took that away because of pedophiles and that sort of thing. So now you'd have to actually make like what's called a conference, and you could invite uh, Pastor Carl right straight to your conference, and you guys could have voice right there. And then you could broadcast over your, over your phone. All right. But I just wanted to call in and say thanks a lot for what you're doing, Pastor Carl. I enjoyed the show tonight, and thank you, Shannon, for what you're doing. And I'm a single guy here in Virginia. I'm up in the mountains. Uh, as far as churches, I'm pretty much just doing the Internet thing because everybody's just so far off base. Um, I've actually used the power of, of the Lord and healed myself from a car wreck. 
I got rear-ended by a man doing about 60 mile an hour. He never saw me stopped waiting on oncoming traffic. And I just wanted to know, you know, get that word out there to let people know that if they're in a situation like I am, like I was put in, that it actually, that you can actually heal yourself using that same power that you talked about tonight online. That's, that's a good point. That is true, and we've seen and have, and I myself have many illustrations of that. And same, it's the same as aftercare with deliverance, which is continuing to deliver yourself and healing yourself. There's been times when I've, I've sat around the house for four or five hours with a terrible headache, and I thought, what am I doing? And taking authority over it and made it go away. So, exactly. yeah, what you're saying, exactly. what you're saying is true. Uh, it's oftentimes true. Yes, 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 for sure. Hey, bless you guys. Good luck on your trip to the to the Witch's Island. Kick some kick some uh, devil ass. Excuse my French, but kick some butt. Amen. Great God, thank God, you. God bless you, brother. Thank you for uh, calling in and. Uh, Tuning in tonight. How do you get to the chat? How do you get to the chat room on, on um, there, uh, Shannon? Basically, on, on um, go to blogtalkradio.com uh, forward I was slash there, yeah, I was, Mega Man Radio. I was there. And uh, I, was can, your, I was on the I was on the radio on the blog talk, but I could not find anywhere that said join chat. Well, I tell you what, you do shoot me an email over at um, Mega Man Radio at yahoo.com, and, what, and okay. give me your phone number. I'll call you and walk you through it. Okay. It's uh well the same number that you got on there. Does it show my number when I called in? You know what? Let me. Uh, in fact, that's a good point. Let me look at the car ID here. Give me I'm your first. I'm on Magic Jack. I'm on Magic Jack. Oh, my name is yeah. George. All you gotta do is click that where it says on air. Just click that. I just click that red where it says on air. It takes you to the chat room. George. Okay. I clicked on air and all it did was took me to a box to show. You know what? If you use an Internet Explorer, if you use an Internet Explorer, it might not work. Firefox. Okay, I, I had to use, believe it or not, since they upgraded it, I got to use uh, Chrome. The only way I can get in. Okay, that could that could be then what it was, because I'm just using the regular Firefox. I think it's like 3.0 something or other. Caller, thank you, uh, thank you for calling in. God bless you, brother. Thank you. God bless all three Good of you. Keep up. Folks, we have about 60 seconds left. Pastor Carl, would you close the program tonight in prayer? Yes, I would. Praise God. Um, folks, we're having a little bit of technical difficulties. I just lost Pastor Carl. Well, you know what? Um, I want to thank everybody called in tonight. Rich, you still with me? That was a lie. We lost Carl again? Yes, he did. Go ahead and close out in prayer for us, Rich. We're working 10 seconds. Lord, we just well, thank you for this broadcast tonight. Just pray the blood of Jesus over everybody listening, MP3 or in the chat room. We speak the peace of the blood of Jesus Christ on everyone. We rebuke the foul forces of Satan operating against us. We ask you to bless us and keep us with sweet sleep tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Folks, uh, you've been tuning in to Mega Man Radio and live broadcast tonight. We want to thank you for tuning in. Now, be sure and check out Watchman Radio Saturday night, every Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Time to midnight. Uh, Rich is going to have Pastor Carl back this week to do this uh, training. And uh, we want to... Uh, Get everybody out there watching ready every Saturday night at 10 p.m. Rich, uh, hang on the line. We've got uh, one call. Um, folks, thank you. We're going into uh, overtime. If you want to continue listening, dial 917-889-2745. Rich, let's take this call. Uh, we've got a caller. Uh, well, I'm not sure what that was. <laughs> what the hell was that? It sounds like uh, they had some music playing there. Let's go to area code 
404-576. You're on the air. How are you tonight? Good evening. This is Roslyn, a man of God. I'm proud for giving the shot. I just thank God for you and um, the bulk of the hey, men of Hey, Roslyn, God bless you. How you been doing? Fine. I just I was really enjoying the um, the teaching, and I know through my own experience, um, it's forgiveness. It's a part of the healing, you know. Of course, we have to repent, but we have to forgive and let go. Um, when I forgave and let go, that's when God healed me through my own. But I, I thank God for the teaching. I'm really excited. I'm ready to go back and listen to it more, and and you know, move forward in um in that area. But I definitely need prayer. Um, there's four people right there in New York. Um, one is a family, three people that I know. They're fighting for their life. So I just want to break the spirit of death off of their life. And as for me, I need a I need a miracle. I need a financial miracle. I'm just tired of my finance. I'm just just not I'm just not you know not seeing things the way it should be. And I'm just believing in God for for some for some major breakthroughs. Well, sister, it sounds like an attack of a uh, spirit of poverty and witchcraft. Yes, uh, yes, yes. We're mm-hmm. going to pray for that right now, brother Rich. I'll let you lead off, brother. Yeah. Okay. Uh, somebody was in the hospital. Yes, my uncle Lewis. He's in. Um, St. John's Hospital, he's been in for two months of March, ICU, his kidney, and then Tommy's liver, and Diane is her heart, and Jimmy um, is a good friend. I grew up with um, a neighbor from across the street. He's in hospice, so these are people that's fighting for their life, you know, and, and I just want to make sure. I know Diane, I had the opportunity to minister to her. She is saved, but the, my Uncle Lewis, he's been in our coach, Jehovah Witness, for so many years. They're having people to go see him. I said, please. I, my main thing is he said Christ, you know. I don't want yeah. him to be in there suffering, and I'm believing in God. I'll be able to go see him, but I don't want him to suffer. You know, I got to go to heaven. I got to go, but I don't want him to perish or none of them to perish, you know. Right. Amen. We'll lift him up. What's your name again, sister? I'm Rosalind. Rosalind. Lord, right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we lift up her uncle, Lewis, and, Lord, we rebuke that foul spirit of that occultic, Jehovah Witness demon. We rebuke it in Jesus' name. That foul mind control demon that's trying to keep him 